Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. All right, everybody, welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. I am uh, I'm excited to have uh, Rami on today. He's another uh, GoBundance guy. He actually came to speak at GoBundance before he joined GoBundance. Um, we were doing a conversation about uh, low testosterone and that type of stuff, and trying to figure out what what uh, whether you should uh, get help getting your testosterone up or have just nature try to figure out how to get it up. And it was it was awesome to to have the conversation and listen to you guys have a bull versus bear conversation up there. It was really awesome. Um, but uh, I'm excited to kind of get to know you on a different level. Um, you and I have uh, you've been my my coach in the past, and um, and now we. Uh, we get to talk on a much different level than, uh, hey, Adam, why are you still fat? Um, because uh, <laughs> because that, I never that said is, that. Uh, Come on. You Adam. did not, but man, no. I felt it. Goodness gracious. No. Uh, if I you just can, said, I'm disappointed in you, right? Uh-huh. Kind of the father, yeah, the father yeah. statement right there. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Lovely. All right. Well, I'm going to pause the recording because I'm going to cry for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, <laughs> Rami, if you could do me a favor, introduce yourself, your family, tell us a little sure. bit about your, uh, I guess, businesses and your your case um, and let uh, let the audience and myself know a little bit more about you. Okay, cool. So um, live in Atlanta now, been here about 30 years. I grew up in uh, upstate New York. I uh, moved out when I was about 25. When I finished graduate school, I moved down to Florida um, and then moved to Georgia about 30 years ago and uh, got married in, in 2000. So it's super easy to remember how many years I've been married. It's 23. Um, and I have a boy, an older boy who's about to turn 22. So we got started pretty quickly, and um, he's a junior, at, actually a rising senior at Georgia Tech here in here in Atlanta. And um, I have a daughter who's eighteen, so a boy and a girl, and she's just starting college um, next week. So we are semi-empty nesters as of next week because um, my boy's still living at home. He commutes gotcha. to college, so we're we're twenty minutes from both of their colleges. So, um, so that's a that's a quick synopsis of the family and. Um, mm-hmm. So business-wise, I've been in the fitness industry, as you know, for 31 years. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically, started, you know, 92 when I, when I moved to Florida. And um, I was in corporate America for all of 3.5 years. That's how long I lasted in a normal W-2. Um, absolutely hated it. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Always have been, you know, had my little businesses when I was a kid. And um, went actually left corporate America, went back to graduate school, um, University of Miami, got another graduate degree in exercise science. Um, in the early, some 92 to 94 and, um, kind of cut my teeth on, uh, personal training, exercise physiology while I was there, actually met my wife to be, she worked in the gym that I, that I did my first internship in. So that's pretty cool. So she's in the industry as well. And uh, we moved to Atlanta in, uh, late 94. So right before the Olympics came to Atlanta. So we, you know, kind of like what you're seeing in Florida, we got to see a million people move here in 10 years. Mm-hmm. So Atlanta's changed a lot since we got here, right? Um, one decade, a million people moved here. So um, 
So I've been in the fitness industry. Um, I was a trainer for about six years, got sick of working for other people, entrepreneurial, started my own business, uh, started my own gym in 1999, knew absolutely nothing. I, I took one business class in nine years of college. So everything I took ended in an ology, right? Psychology, biology, mm -hmm. physiology. Um, so I just kind of cut my teeth, the school of hard knocks, right? And, and I hit the ground at a really good time. So I started in 99. The economy was amazing. Um, personal training was new in Atlanta. I grew that business 30% a year for, for seven or eight years straight. I've told the story so many times. It's, it's pertinent to being a dad because we'll get into it. But, um, you know, grew it like crazy. It was amazing. Um, really, we, we had one of the top five most profitable personal training gyms in the United States at that time. Uh -huh. So come... You know, you know, you know what these years are going to hear like come 2007, come 2008, mm -hmm. I decided it's time to expand. So I literally moved my business, bought a commercial building, mm -hmm. doubled my fixed overhead in June of 2008. Lovely. So dot, 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 you can fill in the rest of this equation, right? You know, it was, we actually didn't really get hit with the, with the recession until 2000, late, late 2009. Um, real estate kind of got hit in 2007, right? But we didn't mm -hmm. really get hit till 09. And, um, you know, it was not easy. And if you do the age of my kids, I had like a three-year-old and a five-year-old during yeah. this time, right? Basically almost bankrupt in four to five years. And, you know, we'll dive more into this, but this is just kind of giving you the business history. Um, was able to, and we can dive into how that happened if you want later, but was able to turn the business around in 2014. Um, the next four years, we really, you know, almost doubled again, got going. And my manager, who had really helped me do it, decided he wanted to make an offer and buy my business. And timing couldn't have been better. Like, I, nice. looking back on it, I never, I never once have said, I wonder if I should have done that. Like, the timing was great. So, and I finally had good timing because I sold my business in 2019, about a year before COVID, right? So, <laughs> there you go. Although Georgia was not too bad during COVID for gyms, yeah. but some places were awful, right? Um, so sold it. And, you know, people said, what are you going to do? I said, take a little time off. It wasn't enough money to retire, but it was certainly enough to give me a bridge. Mm -hmm. And I was just, quite frankly, I was sick of running a business with, I had up to 17, 18 employees. Um, I just wanted me and a laptop. And I go anywhere I want and do it. And that's when I got into kind of virtual coaching, consulting, speaking, stuff I had done my whole career. But now I made it, you know, my sort of my, uh, mm -hmm. you know, my vertical income, right? And um, really got into it. Loved it. I, you know, that was in 20 and amazing. I started that right in 2020. So virtual coaching Perfect. blew up. Yep. You know, everybody was dying on the vine. And I grew my business 30, 40% that first year, right? Um, and, and I love it. And I really, learned i really like talking on the phone you didn't notice that at all when i was coaching <laughs> no, you right never, adam never would have Did noticed. I ever nope. talk no, no, no it was, it was never pretty word. rare it's pretty rare what's your <laughs> way like, come on are why you, even aren't you eating right and that's <laughs> yeah. it, that's it. <laughs> why didn't you do your food logs adam yeah. <laughs> but um so while i was doing that i was consulting with a good friend who wanted to buy a gym and i did a lot of that you know initially because i'd had 20 years of experience and she wanted to buy a mom and pop and it was absolutely awful i looked at the books it was you know it, she would have been miserable if she bought this business. At the same time, one of my best friends who had kind of grown his business the same time as me, but had taken off, had started a fitness franchise. And mm -hmm. you and I have talked about it a little bit, and it's called Alloy Personal Training. Um, and I said, look, I think you should buy this franchise. I think, you know, it's a massive shortcut. They've been in business for 30 years. They know how to do it. So I helped her buy this business. Well, 
Tell you the truth, as I did it, I fell back in love with the gym business because it was so different than owning a mom and pop because yeah. you have this support system, right? So, you know, I use the Al Pacino line, right? Just when I thought I was out of the gyms, they pulled me back in. You know? <laughs> they pulled and me so back in. They pulled me back in. And um, so I, once my non-compete was over, I bought in with her. I was so excited mm-hmm. about it. You know, I, I, I became her consultant. I helped her run the sales and I became a minority owner. And since then, I've gotten fully involved. So I'm still coaching, still speaking, doing that. But that's a really small portion of what I do now. The majority of what I do is involved in these franchises. So I'm now an independent sales rep for them. So I sell them. And quite frankly, in the GoBundance way, I take my commissions from that and I mm-hmm. buy into, you know, locations. So right yeah. now, my wife just bought into one. So the whole family's doing it now. It's super exciting. And um, we now are part owners in four of them. And I've got a bunch of GoBros that are interested. And so that's the majority that kind of drives my day. But I still have I still have some corporate wellness clients. I still have, ironically, 50% of my coaching clients are now GoBros. And I've only mm-hmm. been with GoBundance for, I got a lot from that first presentation. I'll just oh, tell you, I you bet. talk about yeah. testosterone yeah. and all of a sudden everybody wants to be <laughs> your client, you know, and I'm loving it. And, and, you know, having been in the industry for 30 years, it's, I'm at that point with that portion of my business where I can be very picky about my clients. That's why I fired mm-hmm. you, Adam, just so you know, yep. like, yeah, yeah you basically. weren't listening. Yeah, yeah, I think you fired me. Yeah, I'm not sure. Done. But um, <laughs> no, but I really, but in all seriousness, like I, I technically have a wait list and the wait list means that I'm only taking people who really resonate with what I do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that's what I'm doing now. So never left the fitness business for 31 years. Um, just wow. did many, many different things. And that's where I'm at now. So that's, a, you know, you think I've told that story? There's a lot before? of bobbing and weaving we could do in the middle of that. There's yeah. a lot in there, yeah. yeah. And most people yeah, want to sure. talk. Like Jamie and I, do, you know, I told you I did Jamie's podcast last week, and mm-hmm. we dove a lot into, you know, what was it like to go from here? You know, I was saying I'm going to retire at 55. That's the way my trajectory mm-hmm. was going to literally completely empty. I'm talking retirement accounts, 529, everything gone, house underwater, commercial building underwater. Jeez. Paying my paying my employees from my own savings, so no profit, to where I am now, and, and you know a lot of that has really happened in the last year and a half since mm-hmm. I joined GoBundance too. So, wow. um, and being a dad the whole time, right? So yeah, yeah, raising oh, two yeah. kids and through all that, and by the way, kept them in private school, two of them the whole time. Golly, no idea how I did that. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> Looking yeah. back, yeah. Man, so, that's a that's gonna be a lot to dig into for sure. I mean, yep. especially you know, I, I I'm looking forward to kind of prying apart like you know the perspective from the kids and where they were at, and you right. know they're like we've all gone through heartaches um, pre kids, and then we've had gone through heartaches post kids, and how we handle them are very different whether it's pre or post. You know, when like when you have kids, oh, yeah. like things happen completely differently. Like the the focus is completely changed. Everything is anything about it. But um, before we go down that road, though, I'd like to. Uh, get to know a little bit about your your like history from my like elementary on type of thing, right? So okay. understanding where you come from. Uh, so if you can tell me a little bit about like your your um, your upbringing, your dad, um, your your family uh, family circle, mm-hmm. how that kind of all uh, evolved, and um, if you think of anything where as you're going along, like hey, you know, this is actually one thing that I've really picked up and loved about being a dad now, or whatever it is. Like let's just yep. kind of dig into that a little bit. Yeah, very cool, and um. I'm going to give you a little tip because I have so much on this mind on my mind right now because I just did a thing called StoryWorth. Have you heard of this? Okay. I have not. Write it down. So my family gave it to me last Father's Day, and it's basically a book that you write about your history. 
and they prompt you every week for 52 weeks with a question. Like the first question was, have you ever won anything? Tell me about that. What were your grandparents like? And it's mm -hmm. a gift to give to your children that they have for the rest of their lives. Tons of stuff in there they didn't know about me. Stuff mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about in 30 or 40 years. So the timing is perfect for this because I That's have awesome. all this on my mind and all that. So, so I went all the way back to my childhood, like my baseball card collection and my, you know, like <laughs> all that stuff that you just don't think about anymore, right? Yeah. And it's so cool. And then they make a hardcover book and you give it to your kids as a gift and hopefully they show it to your grandkids and all that, you know. I gave it to my kids last week and they both got a little tear, you know, they're teeny, yeah, that's awesome. so just yeah. tiny tear, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, was born actually born in New York. This is crazy. I'm, I'll go into all the details. I didn't find this out till I was 25. My parents were not married when I was born. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this until I was 25 years old. So I actually was born with a different name. My mother was married three times. Um, so all of my siblings are half siblings. So if you add them all up, um, you know, I have like two, <laughs> right? But I actually mm -hmm. have, I actually have four, right? Um, half siblings from from my mom being married multiple times. When when she got pregnant with my dad, my biological dad, she was married to the husband before, so it was an affair. Gotcha. Yeah. Hence, I didn't learn about it till I was twenty five, right? Mm -hmm. um, I found out about it when my dad had heart surgery, and he was on. I think they give him morphine when they're done, like it's. Mat massive drugs and he started telling me this story yeah. he thought he was dying so he was like trying to tell me what had happened right yeah so that's crazy so um they actually adopted me when i was two um, and i never knew any of this you know and so my siblings are way older than me right so my sister was in the house when i was born she's nine years older than me um my two brothers half brothers are like 20 years older than me so they were already gone and and mm -hmm. they really especially my brother steve became more like an uncle or almost like a, a father figure. And we can talk about that too. I wrote that in StoryWorth. One of the questions was, who influenced you the most of your parents? And I put my brother in there because he was so much older than me. You know, it's funny when I do 23andMe, he shows up as my uncle. Because <laughs> uncles and half-brothers have the same DNA and uh -huh. he's so much older, the algorithm says, well, this must be your uncle. Yeah, it's right? got to be your uncle for yeah, sure. My mother had him when she was 20, had me when she was 40, which 60 years ago was crazy. Mm -hmm. Nobody had kids at 40, right? Now that you're figuring out why I'm such a crazy person now, right? Oh, wow. My mind. I mean, the, the list is long on why that is, <laughs> yeah, but we'll, whole, we'll stick with this being That why, could yeah. be a seven-hour <laughs> podcast, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so um, was raised almost as an only child, right? My, my sister moved out um, when she was 17. She got married to her first husband super young, and so I was like nine. Um, and I was 100% a latchkey kid, so... Both my parents worked full-time at IBM. They were both massive intellectuals. My dad was actually the head of the analytical math department at the research center in Yorktown Heights, New York. And my mom was the manager of the computer center in, in the IBM. And they, they actually met. She was his secretary in the math department. And they had an affair. And then that's how the whole thing happened, right? There so you go. Pretty crazy, right? Um, didn't find out about this till later. So I was fully independent. Hence why I'm so independent now. I had a key to my house when I was eight years old. I made all my meals. I did my own laundry. Like they were never home. In fact, I wrote in that book, I know that when I was really young, I got dropped off after school at another family, but I don't even remember who they were. I knew where they mm -hmm. lived, but I don't know their name. I'd love to find them out, right? Um, it was, you know, I'm 60, dude. Things were very different. Like, you know, they, they would not see me forever. You know, I'll give mm -hmm. you a funny story. When I was 10, 
I was having a snowball fight with the kids in the neighborhood and I fell out of a tree and I snapped my wrist. I broke it. And I called my mom at work and she literally said, put a splint on it. I can't leave work till five. <laughs> so I, I made a splint. It's, I wish I had a picture of it, right? With my and it was full on broken wrist. I mean, it was super painful, but that's just the way the world was, you know. Yeah, made us super tough. So I grew up like that. Um, I had a really close, emotional, tight relationship with my dad. He was from the Middle East, hence my strange name, Rami O'Day. Right? Um, found out another thing later. So this is crazy. Like you find out all this stuff later, and then like you were saying, you kind of put the pieces together. Like, oh, that's why they were that way. Mm -hmm. um, that. He really wanted to take me back to the Middle East. He was sick of the United States. He wanted to move back. Hence, he gave me an Arabic name, but it never happened. So I actually went to kindergarten in Lebanon. So he was a professor at the American University in Beirut, and they had a uh -huh. program where you could bring your kids and go to an American um, kindergarten there. So when I was five years old, I was there and um, went back when I was seven as well. So I did a lot of stuff like that. Okay. So, you know, really close with my dad. Middle Eastern, sweet, loving. Like, if, if you think about the typical sort of archetype of a male and a female, my father had more of the feminine energy. And then my mom was from Frankfurt, Germany, and lived through the Depression. She was 10 mm -hmm. years older than my dad. She was tough as nails, right? And, and interestingly enough, so my, my authority figure was actually my mom, and my dad mm -hmm. was my soft place to go. So kind of strange, right? Yeah. Kind of messed up. But thank God I had him because she was a badass. Like b both of my brothers ran away from home, just to give you an idea. And so did my sister, basically. Right? She left at seventeen. So, um, so interject real quick and something even crazier because this story does get crazier. I found out I have another half brother, and I found him through Twenty Three and Me. Uh -huh. So when we were cleaning out my house that I grew up in to move my mother to Florida when she was in her eighties, um, my son found a letter. And he said, he comes in the room, he was like 10. He goes, Dad, I think Grandpa had a girlfriend. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he had read these, these were love letters that he had saved. I mean, he had in a relationship before my mom and had another son that he had given up for adoption. So mm. at the time, I knew I had another half-brother, but I couldn't find him, right? There was no internet. There was no 23andMe. When I did 23andMe, my wife is like, you should make yours public just in case your half-brother's out there. Adam, I turned it on and he popped up number one. Wow. And reached out to him. Great guy. And this is what's crazy because I've never met him, right? We have the mm -hmm. same dad, but different moms. He's a competitive triathlete. He's totally into sports. <laughs> he looks exactly like my dad, right? Like yeah. a twin. It's really, really cool. So I actually have another half sibling. Right? So, wow. So you're getting this feeling, and I'm sure you understand, there's a lot of secrets in my family, right? Yeah. A lot of stuff. And that's why I'm so ridiculously honest. Like I said, I'm never going to have that happen with my kids. Yeah. You know, that kind of defined me as a father. So, um, so anyway, that's how I grew up. Um, when I turned, um, when I was a kid, I was like, um, into fringe sports. So I was into racing motorcycles when everybody else was playing football. So I really got into racing motocross to the point where I thought I could be professional. Um, when I was 16, 17, 18, I was actually really good in New York. Um, and so I told my parents, hey, I don't want to go to college. I want to be a professional motocross racer. And they said, hey, we're not paying your bills anymore. You know, like, <laughs> good luck with that. You know, yeah. like, you can stay at home, but you're on your own. And so I did give it a shot. I took a year off after high school and, and tried. And I realized working 50 hours a week and trying to be a professional motocross racer didn't work. Yeah. I, I realized how much my parents were supporting me before that, right? Because I was able to do all the practice and training and all that that I needed, right? So... 
I went to college when I was uh, 19, I guess, because I took a year off, maybe 18. I graduated when I was 17. And, um, and I loved college. Like, I just fell in love with the whole process. Went to school, a couple of small schools in upstate New York. I didn't apply myself at all in co- into high school. My kids laugh. I think I had a 2.2. They're like, can you even do that? Because, you know, kids now, if they have under a 3.7, they feel like they're failing, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, no, you can do that. I had friends that had worse, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> and um, so I went to a couple of state schools and then um, ended up going to graduate school at RPI, which is an engineering school in upstate New York um, for, for industrial psychology, which I really loved psychology and I loved all those. Um, and that kind of, that brings you right up to me moving to Florida, which I kind of talked about before, right? So mm-hmm. that was really quick with probably a fair amount of points that we can dive into. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton yeah. in there for sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I would imagine growing up, I mean, I would imagine part of the reason that, that your parents said, uh, no way am I paying for you when you want to go do this is because you mentioned them being both intellectuals and wanting to do all that yeah. stuff. So you're like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not going to they're like, uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Yeah. And it was such a good thing to do because I realized, holy cow, college is a great idea. Like, yeah. they're going to pay for it. I can go up there and live with my friends, party all the time, you know. And, and I also feel like I wasn't going to have any regrets that mm-hmm. I never tried it, you know, because yeah. I did have potential. I just, I just didn't have the, the, the cojones, so to speak. There's, a, there's mm-hmm. a level of craziness you have to be to be, be a professional motocrosser that I was for sure a little bit, little bit below it. Yep. Yeah. 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 Maybe you needed more testosterone. I don't know. Yeah, that's what it was yeah. back then. Even <laughs> <laughs> well, I had plenty when I was 18. Yeah. <laughs> we all know. But that, yeah, my, right? my, uh, my boys love being out on the dirt bikes and four wheelers and all that type so of stuff. Fun. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah. um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's so much fun to watch them and do all the stuff. But, um, on a personal level, I knew, I knew you were from upstate New York, uh, area, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know if we've ever dug into that, but I graduated high school outside of Syracuse. Um, yep. so what, what schools, uh, did you go yep. to just, so you probably know, home. so Delhi and Oneonta. So okay. yeah, yeah. basically yeah. right between Albany and Binghamton, yep. you know, so if you drive across I-80, um, right there in the middle, that's where Oneonta and Delhi were. There in you fact, go. Um, Cooperstown is the, where everybody mm-hmm. knows, right? The baseball hall yep, of fame, the baseball hall of fame. Going up there in three weeks, so we're going to go to our oh, old very nice. alma mater and see some old friends and all that. So very excited about that. Yeah, very yep. good, very good. And RPI, hopefully, your RPI is in Albany. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully, you'll be the most in shape person in your reunion for sure. Right. It's so. about the only thing I can claim. <laughs> I won't be the richest, but <laughs> definitely from my class of 1980. Like I see pictures on Facebook, and I'm like, ooh, yeah. I don't even, uh-huh. I don't even recognize people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's only been a little over twenty years for me uh, since I graduated, and I'm like, yeah. man, I yep, don't recognize you at all. You know, and people yeah. probably say the same thing about me with a big old beard and you know all. The, I mean, I I when I graduated high school, I was like, I don't know, 140 pounds. Wow, you know, I was a scrawny little guy. Yeah. You know, I didn't have five feet tall or 100 pounds till t- the summer before 10th grade is when I finally broke 100 no pounds kidding. and five feet tall. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so, I was, when it, I was racing was, motocross, I know it's better to be light. I was six two, one sixty. Jeez. And now I'm yeah. now I'm six two two twenty five. So yeah. you know, for whatever that is, sixty sixty five pounds and yeah. yeah. I'm a different yeah, human for sure. Six yeah. two at at one sixty is pretty skinny. That's a yeah. Yeah, yeah my son's got me beat. Hit the beginning of last summer he was six four, one forty eight. He is a sick yeah. So he's finally he finally got an internship um at a place where it's all you can eat. This is this thing in companies that I didn't even know. They feed them all day. You know, you don't have to pay for food, yeah. which is amazing. And he gained 30 pounds in a summer. So that was awesome. 
So as got long as it's the right weight, then yeah, yeah. it's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if I gained the wrong out. weight, I assure you. Oh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, sure. uh, but, you know, yeah. I, I am interested, like you, you mentioned your dad being more of the, the, um, the softer one, if you will, yep. if that's a, the right language, right? Um, which is, I think, also odd for a Middle Eastern father. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, when did he, uh, is he a, a, a immigrant from middle east or was he born yeah, here yeah, he, was, and, okay. no, he was born in palestine he was born in nablus palestine and uh okay. so he was you know pre-war you know he was born in 1933 so you know they they went through the whole like getting kicked out of their homes and so mm-hmm. he had that sort of mentality as well um you know my mother had looked into the depression so they both were um you know it was a lot of fear-based in my family yeah, that's why they I took corporate jobs you know that's why they were big time savers um they saved everything and um because they had both they had both, you know, had everything, but lost everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so he was actually, so they're both first generations, um, first generation. So she, he was born there, and my mom mm-hmm. was born in Frankfurt, Germany. She came over when she was two. He came over when he was about, he actually went to college, I think, when he was 16. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, if you ever want to do something fun, Google Farouk. That was, a, that's my middle name, too, F-A-R-O-U-K. M is the middle initial, as in mom, and then O'Day, my last name. And just write Farouk M. O'Day Mathematics. and you will not understand any of the titles of the papers that you pull up. My, my kids do it all the time. So, um, yeah, so he moved, I guess he was about 16, and he went to Berkeley. That's where he went to grad school for mathematics. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, he definitely was, was getting in there early. That's impressive. So Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. For sure. So, so did he graduate in Palestine and then come here, graduate high school in Palestine? He graduated high here? school. I think he graduated when he was 13 or 14. He had to Jeez. wait to come to college. Yeah. yeah he's like that. We, we've got one at tech right now. I think is 13 He's a freshman at Georgia tech and like chemical engineering. He was That's like insane. that. Yeah. Yeah. And they wouldn't let him leave. And, um, he, j- he basically picked mathematics because it was the only one with a full scholarship. So mm. he wanted to go into like nuclear engineering, but the one they wanted mathematicians back then makes sense it was the 50s you know there was a lot going on with the war and all that and so and superconductors were that was really a big thing back then so he Mm -hmm. went into mathematics specifically because they paid for his whole college so yeah yeah he had the only perfect score on the entrance exam in all the middle east ever like maybe to this day yeah yeah Yeah, it was hard to live imagine that guy trying to teach me calculus and i yeah and i was not applying myself right it was it was not fun I'm over here trying to teach my kid long division. I'm like, Good. yeah, no, I, I, I like, I think I lost my kids in terms of like being able to help them with school, like right before high school. Like, yeah, you know, it's just so much more advanced. Plus, like I said, my kids went to private school, so it's just mm-hmm. a whole other, whole other level. So, yeah, so it was really interesting, you know. And we can definitely dive into that. But I remember I grew up in a, a, you know, people say New York, they think Manhattan. No, no, no. I was in like white trash in Georgia. You'd call it redneck, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I just went home to my hometown. When I grew up, there were a thousand people there, Adam, and now there's fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. So you know, exponential Ooh, growth ma- over forty growth. years, yeah, massive yeah. growth, fifty really percent growth rate, mostly yeah. blue yeah. collar. You know, so yeah, exactly, mostly blue collar carpenters, electricians, a lot mm-hmm. of firemen on my street, a lot of really tough mm-hmm. Irish, Italian. Everybody on my street was Catholic except us, right? Um, so it's ironic that I'm Catholic now that I've converted as an adult. <laughs> That's kind of interesting, right? Um, but yeah, and I, I had the I had the weird name, I had the weird dad. Like I was mm-hmm. looking back on it, like I never fully fit in. And I think that's why I gravitated towards like I found something I was decent at, the motocross. 
And by the way, my mom and dad were so supportive of it until that day I told them I wasn't going to college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then all, it all changed. Yep. They support's dri- gone. Yeah. Yep. They would drive me to the races and my dad was my pit crew. And it was, we had some really great memories doing it. That's awesome. Um, you know, until I would get hurt and they'd have to put me mm-hmm. on a stretcher. And that was always fun, you know, watch your kid yeah. do that. But yeah, so I, I was kind of the odd kid, right? I was the odd kid out and I played baseball for two years and that was it. Didn't, you know, knowing me now, like I wasn't into sports at all. I was into this fringe stuff and um, it, it definitely defined me, you know, it made me be very independent, you know, tr- trying to be sort of trying to like embrace my differences, you know, mm-hmm. and whereas now I know I'm looking back on it with 30,000 foot view, really, I was, I was uncomfortable, you know, with other yeah. people. So I would kind of lean towards, oh, I don't need your football stuff. You know, I'm a motocross mm-hmm. racer, right? I'm, I'm tougher than you and all that stuff. And now I see like, the benefit that my kids get from team sports and, and being part of a, a group like that. And, uh, you know, kind of wish they had pushed me a little harder, but it is what it is. We're exactly yeah. where we're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Well, yep. um, and if we're not, hopefully we realize it and go somewhere else. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, <laughs> um, Mm-hmm. But it's all part of the growth to begin with. It doesn't really matter one way or another. Yeah. You look back on it, and you're, you know, I'm only sitting in the seat today because of the things that happened to me in the past. So there's really not much, you know. Yeah, I've talked I, about, I, I think take we've away. talked about. I've talked about that almost every podcast. Is that I don't believe in regret at all, mm-hmm. and I, you know, because it's exactly the way it was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. telling that business story, I'm so grateful for everything I went through because I have things that money can't buy. I have appreciation yeah. and perspective, and yeah, for sure, you don't get that until you've been through you've been at the bottom and, and then worked your way back and mm-hmm. i'm so appreciative i mean i it's funny i was listening to a guy online and he's super competitive and he was like you know one of the things i do is i look at my bank account every morning and i'm like i do that now i did yeah 10 years yeah. ago like i didn't want to see it but just yeah. i just do it and it just brings me joy it's like and to see it grow and all that hey one thing gotta, i forgot to tell you before we started is is yeah. almost every time one of my sons walks in but i love it what's the matter buddy look, get on look happy you don't feel well no. Yeah. Well, did you check your temperature? Yeah. yeah. What did it say? This year it's ninety-nine point eight. This year it's ninety-nine point zero. Why don't you go lay down for a little bit then? It's probably from all that jumping you just did on the trampoline all all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go lay down a little bit. Get some rest. Can you say hi to Mr. Rami first? Hello. What's your name? Oh, let me put a headphone in. What's your name? Adam. Hey, Adam. Are you the one that rode a dirt bike? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look at that smile. All of a sudden, he's happy. <laughs> he is a fan, yeah. He feels better all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, he's like, wait, yeah. ride dirt bikes? <laughs> there you go. He, he used to ride dirt bikes a lot. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could pull up a picture. I used to race him, go all those big jumps and break bones and all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> He's yeah, in the he's process like, well, of maybe I don't want to do wheelies. Wheelies are the best. You are and not getting throwing that, my headphone on. The you floor. are not getting that headphone yeah. back, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I do get it back, it's not going to work. Yeah. Jeez, buddy. And it's going to have earwax all over it. Ew. Yeah. The earwax and dirt from the floor. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. There it goes again. Oh my <laughs> gosh! That's go awesome. lay down and get some rest. <laughs> Give me my headphone I'll, and go get some rest. Every time I smile. I love you, buddy. Wow. How old is he? He's eight. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah. 
we're, yeah, we're, he's we're loving trying it. to get get the wheelies in. So um, he loves to show every time we have somebody new over. He's like, all right, Dad, can I ride the dirt bike? Go what? ahead, bud. So go in the backyard and make si- it happen. What size? And we're going to digress here, but we have to. What no, size is it? Perfect. The dirt bike. So it's it's only a fifty right now, but it's too yeah. small for him. I need to get him. Yeah. So I'm looking at a uh, like a CRF one ten um, yeah. uh, to to have him jump on and give the fifty to his little brother. Um, Love it. So that's yeah. Uh, I, that's I finally the goal got back on after years, and I took my son and his friend to a there's a thousand acre place. In fact, we're going to ride there for in the GoBundance event. That's one of the of course events, you are is dirt bikes. I know. I, know. I can't and go. Can, yeah. yeah, and you can't go. I cannot believe it's dirt bikes. And uh, I took my son in 2019, and we rented. I think I I got a 450, and he got 250s. Oh my god, what a difference! I hadn't been on a dirt yeah. bike since they switched to to four stroke, right? So it's yeah. a, such a different world. Yeah, a four fifty four stroke is like such a smooth ride. It just, oh my it's god, nuts! You don't, yeah. Well, we call it cheating. Like compared yeah. to a two stroke, yeah, it's yeah. cheating. Like you don't, you can make major mistakes and still clear all the jumps. Yeah, you couldn't do that on a two stroke. That's why I got yeah. hurt so much, right? Yeah, you miss a gear, sure. you miss miss the power band, and and you're done. And uh, yeah, yeah. So that was super fun. And uh, yeah, but I watched those fifties at the halftime at the Supercross races. The kids, yeah, ride those KTM fifties. Fun to watch. They have more travel than my two fifty had when I was racing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. He got me talking about motorcycles. I could make this whole. Hey, that's quite all right. I love riding yeah. motorcycles. That's you know, we my wife rides motorcycle. We just recently had our daughter. She's yeah. now three months old. Right. I know. And Congrats. um, thank you. Uh. We tell people all the time, like, I don't know what we're going to do if we have a girl that wants to be like a princess. Because, like, my wife rides motorcycles and shoots guns. So oh, that's awesome. If if we end up with a girl that's like, I really want to, you know, have yeah. a tea party and wear my tutu. Where I don't, I, I hopefully you can wear a tutu right at a dirt well, bike. Because I, I had one. I, I mean, know. I had a girly girl who was dolls and she would literally wear her princess outfit to school. We had to, like, make her take it off. And now mm-hmm. she's... A almost professional dancer like that's her world now wow. you know and so that's what she's going to college for like she's totally into it i learned a lot about dance they are major athletes so yeah for sure anyway for sure anyway yeah. so uh, i don't even remember where what, we were now i don't know track. something about my dad yeah. and the difference in the, the the dichotomy of you know her mom being a tough one the dad being yeah the, so sort of uh, yeah one. let yeah. me uh, when you were growing up um uh, was were they like pressuring you at all on the academic side? I mean, I know you said you like to do outside stuff in the sports, but I yeah. would imagine with parents like that, they were probably pretty strong about like yeah, school ethic it, and that. Interestingly enough, looking back on it, like um, I know they were disappointed, right? Because they knew mm-hmm. I was smart and I knew I could do better. And I, I, Adam, I never did homework ever, like never. Right? I actually failed trigonometry. It's the only class I've ever failed in my <laughs> life. A mathematics class, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm sure they were, but I'm just telling you, man, they were so freaking busy. I mean, they were probably both working 70 to 80 hours a week. They didn't have time Jeez. for it. They didn't have time for it, right? Like by the time they got home and they didn't have much of a relationship, like they didn't go out or they didn't socialize together. They were just, they would have academic conversations. I remember parties <laughs> being so boring, all the IBM people, you know, because uh-huh. they would just talk in this high level stuff and I think you and I have talked about this, and that's where that's where I cut my teeth on back then. People being unbelievably—I mean, my father was a Muslim from Palestine, and he mm-hmm. had full-on Jewish friends that they disagreed on everything, and they were best friends. And that's yeah. what I thought was normal. It ain't anymore, yeah. you know. Yeah, no joke. I, I remember they would have these unbelievable. It sounded like an argument, and at the end of the night, they would come to like a—they'd find a place they were both like agreeing on. And they would hug mm-hmm. and the night be over and they're best friends. I never saw them like that. And I'm like, that's possible. And I, I still yeah. tried that till about five years ago. And I don't try it anymore. But anyway, so yeah, they, they did not pressure me as much. 
they definitely, the minute I said I was going to college, they were all in, right? Mm -hmm. So they were very supportive. My mom was super organized. Um, oh, I got to throw in here too. They were both hoarders. So if you've seen mm. the show Hoarders, yeah, that's how I grew up. 100% like if, if, if I was like, if it was now and it was my kids, defects would take them away. That's how bad it yeah. was. And um, another weird thing, like it was hard to have friends over and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Another reason why I'm OCD clean. Right. Yeah. So why yeah. like I'm literally like I get upset if I I haven't shaved in a day. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, it's it's so my background probably drives you nuts though. Oh my god, not organized look at, at mine. There's it's just like, a light. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, I like it. It's very organized. If it was like papers all over the place, I'd literally come to your house and clean it up. Oh yeah. You know? So that's why the camera's not pointing out at the desk. It's oh, okay. back there. Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> well that's a... what they they were academics, right? And that's how they yeah. lived. Piles of papers and chalkboards and all that. And so um I don't know how I got off on that, but that's an important part of growing up and kind of this, for lack of a better word, it was just weird. Like, yeah. weird, not in a good way. You know, mm -hmm. like, like um, weird that was separating me from other people. I had some close friends, but nothing like I have now. And uh, so for me, college was absolutely a, a time to reinvent myself. Yeah. Right. I really disconnected from my parents and, and just became this whole new person. Like, I didn't date anybody in high school. and my wife laughs. She's like, you didn't really date anybody in college either. I'm like, okay, I guess <laughs> I'm not the word for it. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. It was the 80s, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just, I exploded into my personality. You know, you yeah. know me, I'm a gregarious guy. I'm fun. I'm extroverted. Well, I think I'm fun. I think I'm funny, you know. But, yeah. but I, that person was just, he wasn't around until I left home, not you right. know, and it makes yeah. total sense, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's and I'm not gonna try to diagnose anything, but given the fact that how intelligent your parents were and the hoarding and all that type of stuff, mm -hmm. do you think there was like some Asperger's type of thing going 100%. on there too? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because, I mean that sounds like it would be. Yep. Like just yep. just where their brains were and how they well, and, how they and, were and crazy because like if you I wish I could pull up a picture, but if you saw it and mm -hmm. my mom would say, "Oh, I need that bank statement from seven months ago," and she'd go, "It's over there on the right, underneath." Like she knew exactly where it was. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, and that brain power. I'm like, oh my god, if you cleaned all this up, you'd both be like running the freaking Oppenheimer project. Like, you know, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, you know, it it was amazing and scary at the same time. And it's funny because when friends knew me in college, I had like the neatest dorm room of anybody. I was always mm -hmm. cleaning my room, always keeping it clean. And then I would bring friends to see my parents' house, and they're like, "What? Like this is yeah. your parents' house?" So. You know, it's funny to dredge this stuff up. My my wife calls it child abuse. I say it made me tough, but you know, we, we can look at two things and <laughs> yeah, tomato, tomato, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's uh, and it's hard to even, you know, when you're going through it, who knows what, what you're, you know, you're not no learning it until later and all this stuff. Like, you just don't have a clue. This is just, this is what's normal. Like, and you don't know that it's not normal necessarily. Right. Um, yeah. like, I mean, I've been know, all over the world. So yeah, you've seen go, everything. Go. And, and you've yeah. been probably been in the Middle East too. And you see how they, oh, very the much world, so. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's completely, <laughs> you know, like we, we think we have it hard here with racism. I'm like, you have no idea. Let's not go down gracious. that road. Yeah. But um, it, it baffles my mind. The, the, the way that people think about this country and it's one of those like if if the things that we complain about oftentimes tell us exactly how good we have it right I like the, if, if we're going to complain about some things like if this is what you have to complain about you clearly have it very well yep. but you know we're gonna just pull this pull that you know i mean there were times literally like driving around the mountains of afghanistan right and you'd see people come out of a cave 
that that's their house. They're yeah. just living in a cave. That's where they're at. That's all they know. That's what goes on. And right down the street, there's, you know, right down the street, right down the dirt road, uh, the other side of that little mountain is, you know, a bunch of Taliban folks who run the whole area and all yep. the stuff. And like, they're just, you wonder if they've ever even seen, I mean, I'm, I know they have, right? Because we've been in the country. I mean, I was, I went to Afghanistan 07, 08. Um, uh, so, I mean, we'd already been there for six years. So, I, mm-hmm. and, you know, the Russia war before us. So I, I knew very well that they had seen, um, uh, you know, vehicles, but you drive through and you're like, I wonder if they've ever really seen a vehicle. Like they just come out of a cave and yeah. this is where they live. And you're like, yeah, man, oh no man, idea. Like, but they don't know any different, right? They're just right. like, oh no, this is, this is life, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I think that's, um, if we can have that perspective of going, okay, well, I want to make sure my kids know that it's different. I want to make sure that I know that it's different. I want to make sure that I'm understanding that what I have is very special. Um, and that what I I have is, is it's one of the reasons I love my church and and why I got my kids really involved with like the homeless shelters in Atlanta. And it's just to keep perspective, because especially when you send your kids to private school, there's a lot of advantages, but one of the Mm -hmm. disadvantages is that comparison trap that they get into. And they think everyone lives like that. You know, they go Mm -hmm. to their friends and they come home to our, 4,500 square foot home and like, oh man, we've got a dump, you know, compared to Susie's house, right? I'm like, yeah. let's go to downtown Atlanta for people that have no yeah. homes and yeah, no feed kidding. them the only meal they're getting today and let's get some perspective and that's a big yeah. percentage. And yeah, so yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I obviously don't talk about this a lot and it's, it's interesting to go back and I had this conversation a lot with my mom, with my mom, with my wife and, you know, like I said, she's like, oh my gosh, that was so hard and, and I've come to this place where it's like, getting back to the no regrets like it's literally what made me who i am yeah. like it's why i'm determined it's why i have organization it's why you know all the stuff the drivers is because of all that you know mm-hmm. like i did not want to live like that like there's no way i don't want to raise my kids you know i i married my wife for a lot of reasons but one of them is like she keeps a really great house like that's yeah not, it's a very small reason but if she was a mess and by the way my sister became a hoarder right and my yeah. two and my one brother who's in washington and then my other brothers did not. So it's like, it's really interesting what can happen. Everybody raised them. And we need to know this from twin studies, mm-hmm. you know, even same genetics raised in the same house and they can end up different. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that oftentimes, like if we're, you, you know, you either run the, the saying, what you're running towards something or run away from something. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes yeah. when we look at like our parents, we're, we're likely going to either follow the same track that they did, or we're going to go on the complete opposite track that they did. Right. Yeah. And it, it's because you're either running away from what you saw or you're running towards uh, yep. what you saw. Like children's um, so, alcoholics, you know, you know, like they either yeah. become an alcoholic or they never touch a drink. There's yeah. rarely anything in between the two, you know, yeah. and they see that. And, and I think that's kind of what I did. And I think that's why like, I raised my children in a much more what I would consider traditional, you know, like I didn't have religion growing up, right? But mm-hmm. my dad was Muslim. My mom was nothing. They just decided not to be involved in it. He he was involved in his faith probably until I was about eight or nine, and then he gave up on it as well. So uh-huh. I was like, I don't want my kids, you know, I want my kids to have more structures. So we, that was mm-hmm. very important to me. Um, from the very beginning so i was actually gonna ask that yeah. if you grew up muslim or not um nope. sounds nope. like no. no 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 not really i watched my dad pray and i prayed with him a couple times but you know when i was in the middle east we did it a little bit but i never absorbed the religion at all my mom was lutheran so you know it was just a weird mix and uh, mm-hmm. you know she wasn't against it at all um it but they just 
they didn't absorb it, you know, and, and like I said, all my friends were Catholic and this is like pre Vatican two. So I went to a couple of masses and I got scared the crap out of me, you know, so it's like, <laughs> it was dark and the priest was facing away and he was speaking in Latin. And I was like, uh -huh. Oh, this is frightening. It's so much, yeah, I love it now. Like it's been such a blessing for me to, to do that yeah. and, and raise my kids in it too. That's been awesome. When, when did you, uh, become a Catholic? Yeah, I um, 2008, same time that okay. kind of interesting when things yeah. were falling apart financially. And, <laughs> and I was also in a very challenging time in my marriage, too. So I had a lot going on at that time, you know, moving the business. Yeah. Marriage was challenging, converting to Catholicism. Um, and um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, we had put our kids in um, private elementary school in a really nice Catholic school. And, and um, my son started asking me questions about the faith that I couldn't answer. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what's this and what's that? And I said, you know what? I'm going to go to RCIA. I'm going to go to conversion and I'm just going to audit it. This is my theory. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. It's what better way to learn in nine months. Yeah. I can learn the whole faith. Right. Yeah. And, um, three months in, I fell in love with it. And so I really, that's why my name was Paul. Like I was converted. You know, I, I saw myself as sort of like St. Paul. He was against them. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like vehemently against it, but I certainly wasn't a proponent of organized religion. And now I just absolutely love it. And you and I have had conversations about it. And, I mean, Saul um, so, was murdering yeah. Christians. So, I mean, I don't think he was there. I don't think he was there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that we know of. Yeah. I was murdering them with my, my words, maybe. But yeah. But uh, yeah, so I converted in 08. So, and we actually got uh, remarried, you know, by a Catholic priest because we weren't. The, so we actually have two wedding anniversaries. So that's pretty okay. cool. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, you know, and getting these philosophical discussions with my siblings because none of them yeah. are Catholic. And so it's, it's fun. It's fun for family. Do they have faith at all anywhere? They do. What, like, they are do. They... Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just kind of like non-denominational Christian. Okay. So, gotcha. so we all believe yeah. in Jesus. And so that, mm -hmm. that's when they get crazy on the details, I said, let's focus on what we agree on, which is <laughs> exactly. kind, of the big, yeah. kind of the big thing, yeah. you know, like, yeah. yeah. And so that works really well. But yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fun. We can go down that rabbit hole, too, because I love having those types of conversations, too. But yeah. I'm more of a non-denominational slash, I mean, the church I go to is technically Baptist, but mm -hmm. um but yeah, I uh, uh, I actually uh, was signed up for my theology degree back before I got picked back up to go be a pilot in the Air Force. Um, I uh, but the second I got picked up, I had to cancel my classes because I wasn't sure when I was going right. to to go to training. Um, so I canceled my classes, ended up busting my neck, and never went to pilot school anyway. So it was like a uh, a big a big to do, and I, I've still I don't know, what up is this. 15 years later, been wondering whether or not I should go back into it and, and go get my theology degree because I'm, I'm still rather interested in it. But yeah, yeah, um, it's fascinating. And that's actually where I started, you know, kind of my wife was really smart picking it back on her sales process is what I call it, mm -hmm. right? Because she's a cradle Catholic. She never pushed me. She said, you know, and, and she actually, we looked at public school in Georgia and it was awful. And she's like, well, yeah. let's go look at this private school, St. Jude, right around the corner from our house. And I was like, wow, like it was great. The teachers were awesome. The peers were me, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I understood the people that were there. And um, we started going to like, you know, Andy Stanley online. Do you yep. see him at all? Yeah. Yep. So he's an Atlanta guy. So we went to his yep. church, which was great. Um, went to a, went to um, Episcopal, which is kind of like Catholic light, you know, it's got everything, mm -hmm. but it's not quite there. And so I tried everything until I got there and just, this just, it was a perfect time in my life for it. You yeah. know, um, if I was 17, it never would have worked. But at 45, it was, and because of the challenges I was going, going through, through, all of that, yeah. it really saved my life. And, and there's a lot there. Like, you know, that's a lot of the book that I just wrote too, is, is how mm -hmm. did the church really come show up in my life when things were so brutal, you know, and, and who knows what, right? Was it the economy that caused the stress in the marriage? Was there trouble in the marriage already? Mm -hmm. Like, but praise God, 
we're married and you know i I was on my GoPod today and we rank our you know our marriages and and there was one point i don't lie i was a two out of ten luckily you know barely and i'm a nine now which is that's a nice that's a good you know 10x return right yeah that's awesome yeah it's it's amazing and it changes everything you know and I think honestly, sharing sharing the faith helps out a ton to be able to do that because you can connect yes. on a different level as well. And it's not just you know, um, don't get me wrong, uh, sex with your wife is great, but yeah. that's not a marriage, right? I mean, right, right. That, that is not a marriage. There's so much more on a deeper level that you can go and uh, different places and different emotions and different things that that uh, uh, honestly, sharing a faith together makes a massive difference in that. And well, at least. For me and it sounds like for you so yeah it's funny you know thinking back on my parents because i know that's sort of our theme like when i turned probably i would say i was 16 i literally called a meeting with my parents i know this is not shocking for you knowing me right i called the meeting (laughs) and i I told them i said listen i know you guys have been staying together for me right like because look they lived in separate bedrooms they Mm -hmm. were not romantic they had they had the only thing they had in common was ibm you know and i said you guys can get divorced like i think you'll both be happier and um I'm fine. Like, you know, I'm 16. I'm going to college, whatever. going to be a professional motocross racer. I don't need this, you know. Um, but I, but it wasn't a marriage. It wasn't yeah. a marriage in any way, shape, or form. It was just two parents co- co-parenting. And mm-hmm. they had done their job. And, you know, they really just did it. You know, they didn't set a great example. That's for sure. Like, they set yeah. an example, a good example as humans, right? Mm-hmm. In their, their, obviously, their work ethic. They had, they, they had pretty strong morals you know, all that, right? Like my mom really had strong morals for sure. But setting an example of what a couple looks like, I never knew what that was. I had to learn that myself, you know, and I, and I really didn't learn that till later in life, you know, and the church really helped me with that because, you know, the whole thing that it's such a hard thing when you have kids, but you know, the rule is God and then your wife, and then mm-hmm. your kids, and then your career. This is like the third or fourth podcast in yeah. a row that, that that exact ranking is showing up. I you know. know. And, and what are we? Because that's you know, what I always say, right? When you have a three-year-old kid and they fall out of the boat, you're like, push your wife out yeah. of the way to get that three-year-old kid, right? Exactly. But that's not yeah. the way it works, you know? And, yeah. and without the marriage. And really, like, we're in that place now where that's so important because the kids are not the glue anymore. Yeah. You know, this and that's the, one of the reasons it's important to do it from the beginning. Cause if you don't do that from the beginning, once the kids are gone, and if it's been, if it's been God, kids, yeah. Wife now, you like now what? you don't have nearly anything of the connection because your connection was the kids. That was the middle part 100%, as opposed to 100% already having the connection. So yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I see that because now I'm 60. Right. And a lot of my friends are getting divorced, right? The kids have mm-hmm. left the house and they don't even know each other anymore. And they're like, oh, I want a young girlfriend. I want that romance back that I had. And I'm like, Dude, yeah. that's not a marriage, you know? Yeah. And by the way, it's going to be the same exact thing within six months. Yeah. It's like, yep. trust me, you know, like I've seen it happen. So, and that's why they end up with third and fourth marriages and all that stuff. Yeah. So praise God that we have stayed together. And, you know, she, she had a great, my wife had a really great mom, but her dad wasn't in the picture. Um, he was an alcoholic. He left them when she was young. And, um, so she didn't have a dad figure, right? So, mm-hmm. so we both were trying to, um, we call it breaking the chain in our church, right? Like yeah. we were trying to change the, the, the reality of what, cause a yeah. lot of people don't, you know, we talked about that, right? Yeah. A lot of people just oh, follow yeah. it. And, um, so that's been, that's been a great journey, but I can't tell you how much, you know, I mean, it really, truly saved my life, like having faith and, and a true faith, not yeah. this that's sort great. of spiritual you know, mm-hmm. la la land and whatever. Yeah. If that works for some people, I'm not judgmental, but that's, it didn't work for me. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not judgmental, but I will have a conversation with you about how it's not going to be fulfilling long term. So. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. and, and first of all, one of the best things, you know, one of the strongest things in my church is community and mm-hmm. not community that you get going for a group run. Like that's community yeah. too, but there's something so much deeper when you have a shared yeah. faith and yeah. how these people, and I could tell a really quick story. Um, when in 2012, which was probably the bottom, like that's when our house was in foreclosure. Um, mm-hmm. We were out, you know, the business was just doing terrible marriage was, and I joined something in my church called Christ renews his parish. And it's a, it's, it actually comes from a Protestant church. I forget what it was called before we, you know, they transferred over. Um, but it's a weekend that you spend with 36 men and the women do it too. 36 women. So it's just men, mm-hmm. just women. You're, you're in there for two days straight. You never leave no phones. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's intense. There's witness talks. There's for us, you know, there's confession, there's, there's mass, all that. Um, and then you stay together for a year, every Monday night after that and talk about bonding with a group of men. Yeah. Well, I, about halfway through it, I was struggling so badly. I dropped out of it. I was like, I'm done. I can't go anymore. I can't tell the story anymore. It's too depressing. You know, um, all 36 guys showed up at my house unannounced <laughs> and prayed over me and li- they just showed up i'm like what the heck my wife knew they were coming yeah and they prayed over me and they said you know we're here for you and then they just left and that's in my book like it brings me to tears that they just had a meeting and they're like hey rami's struggling you know he just quit mm-hmm. we need to go over there they didn't come over and like yell at me or you know you need to do this they just showed that support and guess what i rejoined yeah. finished it and it was monumental and i ended up becoming a witness for the next group so yeah, I ended up awesome. telling my story and helping other men, which was super powerful. So, and I saw none yeah. of that in my parents. You know, they had none of that. Yeah, they That's, had intellectual I, friends. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And which yeah. is which is great. Don't get me wrong; great. it's great to have those great. those friends to be able to debate back and forth with. But again, it's a different level when you're when you're sharing a, those types of relationships. But yeah, and I never um, knew so, it. Yeah. So you got married in 2000. So for yep. for eight years, you were not. Catholic, she was. Was she going to mass every yep. Sunday and all yep. of that too? Yeah, yeah. Um, she was. And very, you were just kind of like eh. I went. Yeah, I went. You know, I would go twice a month and had no idea okay. what was going on and didn't feel mm-hmm. like I fit. You know, like here we go again. I'm in an yeah. environment where I'm kind of weird. You know, I don't know the rituals yep. and all that. And um, but again, she never pushed me. She she brought the kids. Um, she kept them. You know, in in the faith that whole time. So she really held it. And uh, looking back on it, it's pretty amazing. You know, it's hard, it's hard to yeah. do that on your own. I wasn't non-supportive. I wasn't against it. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I would go sometimes. And then we started, you know, even when we were going to like North Point Church, Annie Stanley's church, she was still mm-hmm. going to Mass as well. So, okay, wow. yeah, she was keeping that alive the whole time. Yeah. So she grew up Catholic, though, you said, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, her, yeah. her mom oh, was yeah, you very, very Catholic, devoted. Right. Yep, yep. Yeah, so okay. her mom was very involved in the church, probably one of the most spiritual she was one of the most amazing people that I've ever met. She passed away fairly early from cancer, but she, um, Man. just an incredible woman, incredible. Her faith was beyond strong. Like, like awesome. when she was riddled with tumors and inner bones and can imagine how painful that is. And they mm-hmm. had to carry her down the stairs because we had her living here with us. And the pain, I can't even imagine. And she was thanking Jesus. She's like, thank yeah. you for this pain. I know you're teaching me something. And I was like, I just, I was like, I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> like you know, at that level <laughs> yeah. of of faith, but but it was yeah. it was most inspiring. people aren't. You know, like it's, no. it's that's a that's a um, 
you have to have gone on a long walk to get to that point. You know, no it's, no uh, that does not just happen overnight. Um, yeah. Similarly, like when you're going through hardships with your with your family, with your with anybody, like there's your it's not you know uh, the ridiculous saying Rome wasn't built in a day. It's super true. None of our like our relationships with our wife is not built in a day. Our relationship no. with our kids is not built in a day. Um, but it also means that it's not ruined in a day either. So you know. Um, when you when you were uh, working on the transition, or ah, what route do I want to go with this first? Um, when you started when you started having kids, which was right when you got married, right a right year away. after you got married, yeah. Um, uh, what kind of conversations did you have about your past already between like your wife's past and your past that you said this is like? Did you guys come up with plans? This is how we want to raise our kids. This is the direction we want to go, or, or was it just like a, let's figure it out as we move along? Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest things we were clear on is that both of our parents were sort of workaholics, right? And so mm-hmm. I was a latchkey kid, right? And I, it was bad, right? Like too much alone time was not good for me as a kid, too much idle time. And um, so we both agreed, even before we had kids, that, and she always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So I said, well, I'll, I'm all in on that. And so yeah. at least till the kids are both like in kindergarten or, you know, like full-time school, right? And then maybe go back to work part-time or whatever. So that was a big decision on our part that we really, really are happy with. Um, Kids never spent one day in daycare. They spent every day with her, you know, and I ran my own business. And even when it was bad, I remember going to lunch with somebody like in 2010, he owned a karate studio. It's two o'clock on a Thursday and neither of us had to ask our boss if we had to meet for lunch (laughs) today. You know, like there's still some benefit in this and and that that i was able to pick up the kids up at school almost all the time and spend time with them when they got out of school and so that was good too you know they spent the whole day with her so but religious wise you know i wasn't there yet right in 2000 so and and again i was i was definitely searching like i probably went to seven different churches Mm -hmm. so and i I was looking all over the place i think i actually went to a buddhist temple at one point like i was all over the place you know and um and I think she appreciated that. And and again, she's way more patient than me. Like, at mm-hmm. least, like I have zero patience. It's definitely something I read in the Bible all the time, you know, like something I have to work on. And yes, um, But never pray for it because you don't want to be tested on that. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, as, read about I, it, do the self-work. Don't let, don't let God yeah, try to yeah, do put not me through get, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't bring God in on that one because he will test you, you know. <laughs> We're doing a, one of our businesses now. And I'm like, boy, has he tested us. And, and so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so major props to her, like looking back on it, like just letting me come to it on my own and what a cool way I came to it. Like my son brought me in, you know, like oh, really? asking questions, right. That he asked those yeah. questions oh, yeah. that, yeah. that I couldn't answer. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, let me look into our CIA. Right. And from then on, I had a great group We had, we had 12 people. It's kind of interesting. We had our 12 disciples, you know, and, um, and we all made it, which was great. And, uh, it was, it was a great, great experience. It really That's was. Awesome. And it's, you know nine months to, to get there is, is pretty incredible yeah. yeah yeah so that's really cool so, yep so you were running businesses the whole time you had kids and before you yeah. had kids and all that type of stuff so like yep. did you did you look at like hey i'm running businesses you're going to be you know uh raising the kids uh, what's your wife's name by the way so i don't heather. just heather heather okay yep um mm-hmm. so you're like hey heather you know you're going to be raising the kids i'm running the business but did, did you say hey i want to involve the kids in the business did you talk to the kids about business um yeah like how, how like what kind of association did the kids have inside the business well yeah i mean let's see when the kids were really little they lived at the gym so that was great <laughs> my wife wanted to work out uh, yeah. my wife would come in and do sessions with the trainers right she worked out with the trainer every day and you know back when when she wasn't working um 
And uh, I can remember having the kids in like those little swingy things while we would work out, you know, like they yep. just kind of watch us. So our kids have been in gym in, the, in a gym since they were born. You know, it's funny. My, my son trains at one of our franchises that we part own now. And all the clients are like, my God, he has the best form I've ever seen. I'm like, well, he's been doing this since he was <laughs> one, you know, we had yeah. little like one pound weights for them. And so, yeah. So, and, and they, you know, looking back on it, like I've asked my kids about this now. I'm like, were you guys really aware? Cause we tried to hide a lot of it when the finances were really bad, you know, mm -hmm. like literally we had people coming to the door to say, you know, when are you going to pay your mortgage? Right. Those people yeah. that they hire like awful. Right? Yeah. I had a, the doorbell would ring and I'd go running. So the kids wouldn't, cause they, they'll work the kids. They'll say, you know, yeah. dad hasn't paid his bills and all that kind of stuff. And, and I said, how much did you know? And they said, we, we know, like yeah. we knew it. Yeah. We were, we were a little bit scared and we knew you guys were going to always feed us and all that, but we were wondering if we were going to, not be able to stay in school and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And so we tried, but what I did through that time is once they became cognizant, I tried to teach them. Rem do you remember what it was like, like seven years ago, like we were traveling all the time and, mm -hmm. you know, dad was flush with money and buying moms all kinds of gifts. And now you notice like, I don't even go to Starbucks anymore. Right. Like I yeah. literally, and they're like, and I said, that's what it is to be an entrepreneur. And there's nothing wrong with that. If your personality fits it and that's mm -hmm. what you like i still like i said i'm thankful for it i would prefer to have those four or five years versus a 25 year steady paycheck in a company that you know i yeah. was ready to basically slip my wrists to go to every day you know yeah like even when things were bad i still loved my job i loved i'm mm -hmm. changing people's lives i loved my employees i loved our clients i loved running the show even though the show wasn't great and, yeah. I, and I would share that with them a lot. And I, I'm doing it now, like when they're in college, like, you know, I, and I can see like my son's personality. He's definitely, by the way, he's looking at, he's looking at the military, which is pretty cool. He's looking mm -hmm. at the FBI. Everything mm -hmm. he's looked into is he's looking into being a pilot, right? They have a great well, pilot program. Come talk to me. I know about I, all three of them. So. I know you do. I, so I'm just <laughs> thinking, this is so cool. I want to set up a call with you guys. But everything is steady paycheck pension after 20 years like he's gone to i see yeah. him headed that way because yeah. his person he's a total like on the myers-briggs he's the opposite of me on the mm -hmm. enneagram he's the opposite of me my daughter i could see being more of an entrepreneur she's much more of a risk taker um yeah. and, and they're both they're both fantastic love them both to death but they both were raised in the same environment right yeah. and now you see like my daughter's like part of his nature part of his nurture yeah yeah i might open a dance studio i get it mm -hmm. and i keep telling her Remember, you're gonna have great years and you're gonna have challenging years. You have good months, mm -hmm. you're gonna have bad months, and you just have to you have to know that. And and I said the highs are way higher and the lows are way lower. Yeah. And if you like that, I do. You know, um, again, I prefer that. And I think I feel like we did a pretty good job because I am like now that they're older and they're adults, I check in about all this. Mm -hmm. Like I even I've asked them many times. I do dates with my kids. You know, like separate. I'll have dinner with my son. I'll take my daughter out on a date. And I'll say, you know, do, do you know what was going on in our marriage? You're like, we know it all, Dad. You know, like, yeah, yeah they're yeah. so cognizant. They're so smart. And there's, a, I, I think, I think they appreciate that you're not like sharing everything with them when they're five years old. I think that's mm -hmm. super smart. You know, yeah. Like, like I partied a lot when I was younger, right? Especially in college. Never told my kids about it, and the reason I didn't is because, quite frankly, it's so different now. Like the, yeah. the partying and the drugs that I had forty years ago. It, nothing was going to happen like it, mm -hmm. th and now they literally could go to a party and take a pill and have fentanyl in it yeah. and they're gone and they're that gone. didn't exist yeah. when i was a kid so for me i didn't want to share it with them when they were like 12 because they would go oh 
dad did party, you know, did drugs mm-hmm. or whatever, and he's fine. You know, he's running a sexual business, successful business. He's done it. They would equate that, and it's so different. I mean, how many stories yeah. do we hear? Football player breaks his leg, gets on Percocet for painkillers, and mm-hmm. next thing he's out of his house and he's on heroin. None of that existed when I was a kid. N- none of it. You know, there, there, it just didn't happen. And so I think that that bit of like sort of protecting them, it, but now once they turned 18, I had that conversation with them. You know, yeah. and I said to my son, I said, So are you surprised that your dad? And he's like, Dad, you grew up in the 70s. Come on. <laughs> you know, like you went to Grateful Dead concerts. Like, uh-huh. let's, you know, let's go. Like, we know what's yeah. going on. But they said, We also know how like responsible you are. And I always was, by the way. Like, I think I got that. I got that from both my parents uh, that like literally even if I went out till four in the morning, I'd get up mm-hmm. at six and go for a run and then make my eight o'clock class with two hours yeah. sleep. Like that was just my discipline that I had. So yeah. for sure. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So do you think that you, do you wish at all that um, as you were going through it, since you, uh, you talked to them now later and they're like, yeah, we totally knew what was going on or mm-hmm. at least had ideas. Do you wish that you exposed a little bit more to them about the situations you're going through as you were going through them? Or are you glad that you kind of kept a little bit more separation there? I think I, I like the way we did it. I don't really yeah. think we should have done more. I know you're big on the no regrets, but it yeah, doesn't but mean I, that, I don't know. think yeah. I think it would have just scared them too much. I really, really do. I think that they were not able to process, even if we said everything's going to be fine. But guess what? We're yeah. not paying our mortgage this month. Like I could see that causing a lack of sleep. Oh, I know sure. that it yeah. really affected my wife like way more than me. Like I, I just mm-hmm. I always felt like we were going to be fine because I just. I've gotten out of so many things before, right? I think, you know, being an athlete, doing that, running a business that, you know, I went through 9-11, we had a huge dip. 2002, we Mm -hmm. had a huge dip. Like, I got all that. I never knew. Problem with 08 was it was so much longer than anything else. Yeah. Like, lines of credit did not last. You know, I used to just get a $50,000 line of credit because I knew in six months, interest rates would be back. Everything would be fine. You know, that Mm -hmm. didn't happen to us. For us, it was almost five years. Like, it was really protracted. Um. But I, but, but looking back on it, like, um, I think it was, it's good for us now because my wife knows, Hey, we got through that so we can get through anything, but she still has, you know, I don't hate to use the word PTSD with an ex military guy, but it's not really that, but as close to that as you could possibly see, yeah. right. That, you know, she still is like, she's, yeah, I remember when things were really bad. She's like, why don't you just go get a regular job? You know, you could do so well. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'd be freaking miserable. I'd be more miserable yeah. than I am now, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and, and a lot of that too is from watching my parents, you know, like my dad was never happy in his job. Never. Mm-hmm. He was a depressed guy. Yeah. And we talked a little beforehand, like how that ended up. So I just yeah. never wanted to go there, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, I, I, I never knew I was entrepreneurial at all. Like, I mean, I joined the military right out of high school. I didn't really have a clue what I was. I mean, I, that's just, that's yeah. what my parents did. So that's what I did type of thing. And then I kept jumping jobs in the military, which is very rare um, to to do. You don't see people work as many jobs as I did, but I was like, man, I, I'm going to do this. And I want to do that. And then, you know, it got to a point where I realized, man, I just, I, I, I think like looking back on it, that, that, that is, that was like the entrepreneur in me trying to like, I just, I need something new. I need to build something. I need to do yeah. something. Like, I feel like I've, ex- you know, like survived that. I know what it is. I know how to do it. I'm on to the next thing. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just wanted, always wanted to grow in, in different ways and try to check new things out. And like, man, it's exhausting. But, um, but the entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneur part of me is, like oh this is great you know yeah um yeah i agree uh but the you know my wife i would say is probably closer in that sense to your wife too and i think it's a uh to one of the natural differences between men and women anyways like they're going to come from that nurturing aspect of wanting to be something safe and secure for their kids to make sure that things are going where we're going nah 
totally got this. I'm, I'm going to go attack this, or I'm going to go move yeah. this. I'm going to pivot here, and you know, we just look at things very differently. Um, and and I, I mean, it's again a wonderful blessing of having a um, a mom and a dad in the house and having yeah. that balance. And, and yeah, and, going I, didn't, there, and so. I didn't get that from my parents because they were both so fearful. Yeah. So if anything yeah. would go, you know, we lived through Carter, which was a horrible economic time. You know, funny mm-hmm. story when I was cleaning the house, they saved. By the way, being hoarders, they saved every pay stub they had ever had at IBM. <laughs> Every single one. So I went back and looked at the Carter administration. My dad was paying seventy eight percent total tax. Jeez. He's taken home twenty two percent of his tax. Golly, that's insane! <laughs> it's like, insane. Just dreadful. I mean, I'm sure you yeah. had tax write offs and all that, but I was like, oh my lord, this is awful. You know, we complain about forty percent or whatever, but um, yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't get that um, kind of that confidence through hard times. I had to create that in my own self, mm-hmm. right? That. And you know, it's funny, when I was on Jamie's podcast, we talked about that, the male-female difference, and that if you're going through a hard time and the, the dad or the mom is having a hard time and is not confident, is showing fear, it's exacerbated, like yeah. hugely exacerbated. Like, yeah. it's one thing, it's not to be like, um, like it's not happening, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, this is, I'm, I'm closing my eyes, putting my head in the sand kind of thing. It's that, yes, this is happening. Yes, it sucks. And yes, we're going to get through it. Like, yeah, dad's got this, like, I'll do whatever yeah. it takes to keep the roof over our head. And I did, you know, like, I, I created the whole, like the whole mortgage thing became a part-time job for me, like researching mm-hmm. how to renegotiate your mortgage. And Adam was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. I never not paid a bill in my whole life ever. Like I'm the guy who pays bills before I get them. Like when I yeah. see my American Express going up, I pay it every 10 days. Like I'm that kind of guy, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm and, very similar. Yes. Yeah. And, and literally <laughs> we're in this place and I'm like, why won't they renegotiate my mortgage for me? And everybody's yeah. like, they won't until you stop paying. And I'm like, what? Yeah, which like is it made no sense to me. Mind blowing. Yeah. And they were right. The minute they're I focused stopped, on all the other people who are not paying, like, well, right. this person's paying, so I'm not even going to take their call. Not even going to talk you know? to them. You know, by the way, with yeah. a commercial building, that doesn't happen. You don't pay, they take your building. It's a yeah. completely different story. Yeah, you know that. Very true. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I said that with our commercial building. I go, what well, can I do what I did? No. <laughs> like, yeah. do whatever yeah. it takes to keep paying that mortgage. You know, yeah. um, great turnaround story there, by the way. Obviously, I, I mean, go abundance now. So, yeah. really, really nice story there. But, um, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. A lot of people, you know, when you talk to psychologists, I've done a ton of therapy. I love therapy. Mm-hmm. I love going to them. I love going to marriage therapy. We have a great one in tampa by the way so next time we nice. go you know yeah, yeah really really great guy um you know it's always like where'd your personality come from like is it your mom or your dad and i'm like gosh mine is almost in spite of my parents does that make yeah. sense like yeah. i almost oh, yeah. created who i now i know i get my organization my list writing like that i watched them and i realized that that was good stuff but like personality wise and and like that i try to be honest all the time like i got a lot of that from my mom but um but it really was self-created you know mm-hmm. like you hear that with a lot of people that were in that were latchkey kids you know yeah yeah they were sort of create where you were which yeah. by the way was super common uh, it was either my parents both working latchkey kid or the mm-hmm. traditional italian dad working 90 hours stay-at-home mom there was nothing yeah. in between yeah 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 that makes sense i mean i yeah. i my my i was i guess uh, I grew up obviously a little bit later than you, but, um, uh, a lot later, but thank you for that, Adam. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) No problem here for you here to make you feel better. Um, but you know, I was never home. I was always gone, but I was very good at school. Like I knew that I had loving parents. They were like, my mom 
had to work off, oftentimes a couple jobs while my dad was working a couple jobs. But so they were both working so much that I was just like, all right, I'm gone, you know, and yep. I would I'd ride my bike everywhere. everywhere. I'd wear my dad's old military uniform and go running around like the woods and, you know, play, Blowing you know, things up play, with firecrackers. Yeah. A lot of fires. Yeah. Yep. The BB gun wars and the whole nine yards. So, um, and I, I really would like my kids to have, you know, me too. As close to that as I can, like get out of the house, go explore, go do things. I don't care. Yeah. Like jump the fence in the backyard, go run through these woods that we have. Like get, yeah. I, just go be a kid, you know, I know. I, I, like get off the video games, do all this stuff. We don't have any video games in the house at all. No, good for um, you. Good for you. And it's, uh, it, you know, like there's part of me that says, ah, maybe I should get some of those video games that help them with like work through things and like, th- yeah. but, but I, I know that like my mentality, I mean, when I would play a video game, I'd play it a lot. So yeah. now it was like, I don't want to, I don't want to have that around. Um, uh, yeah. similar to me in carbohydrates. If I'm going to have a carbohydrate, I'm going to have all of the carbohydrates, right? <laughs> right, so, right. Well, we talked about this. We both <laughs> we have, have black and white have, personalities. Uh, I'm either partying like difficult. crazy or like I literally go 10 weeks without a drop of alcohol. Like that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. the alcohol thing, I'm, I'm able to, to thankfully, I, I used to not be able to, but I'm, I'm able to now just be able to have a, have a glass of scotch or two and a, yeah. or an old fashioned because that's like my favorite drink in the world. Make myself a nice smoked old fashioned at home. Golly, I love it. Just one. Um, just one. Yep. That's just one. Yeah. yeah. It's usually a pretty strong one, but just one. It's all I need, yeah. you know. That's um, uh, but uh, when I'm with some GoBundance guys, though, once in a while, they I have two or three, and it's like, man, that was, we had a yeah. golf tournament in Steamboat. I think it was Steamboat a couple years ago. Um, and we were out just, I mean, we were in um, uh, Aaron's uh, Aaron's room, one of the guys, one of the other yeah. abundance guys. But we were hanging out in his room, just chatting, chatting, chatting. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning. I finally oh. went to bed. We have to meet up. We have to meet up at 6. I've had like probably two too many drinks. And uh, so I wake up in the morning and I still have two too many drinks in my system. And I'm like, yeah. I got to go golf? Like, you got to be kidding me. This is going to be nuts. <laughs> Hopefully um, you cracked a beer at eight in the morning uh, to get rid of the hangover. No, so. no, there's, yeah. no that, that is not what I did. I just fought through the fought through the hangover, did what through I could. We took first place though. So that yeah, was a there plus. There you go. Um, yeah. But man, it's oh, man, funny it, because I, I ended up with a really addictive personality that can be yeah. really, really good. You know, I've done Ironmans, you know, I've run a hundred miles. Yeah. Like I've accomplished a lot if, of things. It put in the right direction. It put in the right direction, but it also has been put in the wrong direction too. And I, I'm mm-hmm. definitely, I'm just cognizant of it, right? Like I mm-hmm. know that about myself and I stay away from things like that. But, you know, I just, it, I always tell people hundred percent is easier than 99%. Like, yeah. you, you know, and, and I could have one beer tonight and be done. I just don't see the sense in it. Like I literally like, yeah. if I'm going to have a beer. I want to have fun, you know? And so, yeah. you know, one just makes me tired. You know, but if I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have true. fun, right? Yeah. Um, then I stay awake. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But you know, that, that, I don't know where I got that from because it's funny that my half brother has it too, right? He's done mm-hmm. the Hawaii Ironman like seven times. Like he's a real beast of an athlete. Yeah. And um, I didn't, I didn't see that. My parents, maybe they were addicted to work. I guess they were just workaholics. I guess that's, that's where they afford that, you know, yeah. and the hoarding is probably an addiction, you know, mm-hmm. actually it's, it's more along lines of OCD is what they say. Ironically, I've read a lot about it when I was younger and then watched hoarders, right? Hoarding is actually considered perfectionism, which is really weird. But yeah, it makes sense yeah. if you understand it. They yeah. both said it. I don't want to clean. I don't want to start cleaning because if I do, I'll have to clean the whole house. They yeah. couldn't think of like cleaning just one section, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was too overwhelming. So they never did it. You yeah. know, they never touched it. I'm like, wow, I never would have thought of that as perfectionism, you know? But yeah. it is. And part of it is also weird. like, I need to save everything because yep. what if I need it? Right. And that's a bit of that's a perfectionist thing too, right? I need Living. to keep it. I, I need to keep that. We might um, be able to use this. Soup cans. Yeah. Clean out the soup cans. Might be able to use this later for something. Like, what <laughs> Never do we use it? Yeah. What do we use it for? Uh, and then I look at you know, washers, were, you know, yeah. screws, oh, yeah. 
things like buttons. that. Yeah. We had a thing of buttons. buttons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Needles, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, it was um, amazing. So I want to chat a little bit about the turnaround that you mentioned with the, yep. you know, going from nothing. How did you go from, uh, um, from the, 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 all the way down 2012, losing everything, yeah. Yeah. you know, people knocking at the door to, you know, building a business up again and going through that. What, what do you think a brought you through that? Um, yeah. as far as like the, you know, grit determination, whatever it was that was motivating you to do it. And then B like literally the tactics behind what you did. Yeah. You know, it's great to have some space from it now because I can tell you exactly what it was. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I can also be really honest. Like it's very easy to look back. It's very easy to tell people your business failed from 2008 to 2012, right? Everyone, yeah. Oh, of course it did, right? But yeah. looking back on it, like my buddy who owns Alloy, he was doing great, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't do great in 2008, but he came back immediately. In fact, he grew yeah. business during that time. And so, so looking back on it, for sure, the economy was, and, and back then, I'm not now, but back then I was a very slow pivoter, you know, because what had worked in the past in the pre- for 9-11 and the other dips yeah. was just work harder get some working capital, get through this and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Really what had should have been done at that time was a complete change in my business model, which is what my friend at Alloy did, right? Yeah. So looking back on it, truly the reason that mine was so not the reason that we dropped, that was the economy, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like we had we had 350 clients, 80 of them were in the real estate business, right? Jeez. Mortgage brokers, yeah. real estate agents, yeah. we lost all of them. Like they weren't even paying their their food bills. You know, like, so they're not going to pay $400 a month for a gym. Mm -hmm. So, but why it was so protracted is because I lost my mojo and I I lost my mojo because I was having such a challenge in my marriage at the time. Yeah. And without that support, that home strength, I had lost my why. And you and I, how many times did we talk about the why when we're talking about coaching, right? My why was always take care of my family, make sure my wife can stay at home with the kids, you know, be the provider kind of thing. And because we were struggling there, and by the way, I didn't, I didn't know this until years later in therapy and really looking back on why did mm-hmm. it last five years? So around 2014, I was, I finally was done. I had, dude, I tried so much. Like I look back when I sold my business at all the things mm-hmm. I, I brought Zumba in me, Zumba classes, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had CrossFit in my gym. I wasn't even a CrossFit gym. I had a side yeah. thing of CrossFit. I had another gym renting space from me inside my gym, right? Like I tried it. I dance classes in the afternoon. I had everything to try to stay alive, right? Tried to sublease my space, had a chiropractor, all that. And 2014, I just said, this is it. Like I told you, all my mm-hmm. savings is gone. Um, the building, we had bought it for a million dollars. It was now worth 600 and we owed 800 on it. So we Jeez. were 200,000 underwater, right? House was underwater. Um, I, I, our fixed expenses were thirty-two thousand a month in the gym, and we were doing twenty-eight thousand in revenue. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be a mathematician to realize yeah. there's nothing there. We're negative. So I called a, a realtor to short sell the building because we had we had flattened. The one thing that happened is we had stopped. So when I in two thousand eight, when we bought the building, I was doing over a million dollars in revenue in personal training, which is a lot for personal training. Mm-hmm. Eighty three thousand a month in personal training is great. In two thousand fourteen, I was doing twenty eight thousand, so I was Jeez. down seventy percent, right? And remember, I had doubled my fixed expenses. Right, mm-hmm. I bought a million dollar building, way more electricity, more equipment, all that. So I called a person to short sell it. I said, you know what? I'm just going to move back into a small space because I was in. But by the way, when I was doing a million dollars a year. I was in 3,500 square feet, 
we were crushing it with ROI, yeah. like with our returns, you know, that's like awesome. my net income was 30, 35% on a million bucks. Like I was felt really good back then. This mm-hmm. is in the early two thousands. Right. So called her, started that process. In the meantime, my good friend who now had become, he's the CEO of Alloy, who now had become sort of my business mentor because he had grown so much. Like at this point, he was licensing his products to 2,300 gyms across the world. Mm-hmm. So he was crushing it, you know, on the speaking gig, all that. And he said, I want you to give this one more try. He said, I have an intern that I think could really help you. And I said, really? Like, how am I going to pay this guy? Like, you know, my numbers, yeah. you know? So somehow I got a loan. I said, I trusted him. And I said, all right, I'm going to give this one last try. And I think, you know, we're best friends. And I know I've asked him this question and I know he did this. It wasn't the guy. He saw that this guy would bring me back. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Y- young guy, you know, really dynamic, shit ton of energy. You know, he's still an intern. So he was me 20 years ago. He got him in. I, I somehow got a loan to be able to pay this guy for a year, right? Paid him commission only. And that was our turning point. So at the end of 2014, we were down 70%. By the end of 2015, we were we were doing 40,000 a month in revenue. We've gone from 28 to 40. Wow. And it went up nice. from there. And it was, it was, and I want to give him credit. Like he really did, you know, he's the guy that ended up buying my business. Um, mm-hmm. He really did. He brought in a lot of stuff. He brought in a lot of the alloy stuff that, that we do now, right? Um, but really what he did is I got fired up again. Yeah, I had sort of a partner, right, that I could lean on. And what happened, the real change that happened is I finally leaned on another person. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I'd done everything myself before that. Total lone wolf, never had minority partners, always did it myself. And, I, and that is what turned it around. It really is. Wow. And then in the meantime, you know, we found a great therapist down in Tampa who mm-hmm. does like couples therapy that really helped us at the time. Like we were, we were on the verge a couple of times and this guy was incredible, real, real religious guy and a very specific type of therapy. I've probably referred seven go one of guys to him at this point that are yeah. struggling in their marriages. Cause I go, I went from a two to a nine. So there's yeah. the information. And so that, that was really the turnaround, Adam, like just coming back. And then ironically, we had a discussion one day about opening another location. That's how well we were doing. And he came back the next season. The next Monday, he said, I talked to my wife and we want to buy your business. And I'm like, yeah. F yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, like I was yeah. ready. Yeah. I saw that as an opportunity. Cause I look, even though we had brought it back, I was burnt out. I mean, yeah, 20 I years of that. And then, all, you know, my first podcast I did with, with Rick, with the CEO of Ally was called, um, you know, True Grit, uh, coming back from the trenches kind of thing, mm-hmm. how that happened. And so that's, that's what happened. And then it's just been upward trajectory ever since. So, you yeah. know. We have savings again. Uh, we sold in 2021. So I kept the building when I sold the business. So I became his landlord. And then in 2021, um, actually sold it, sold it for a million bucks, and we owed 500 on it. So think of there that you turnaround. Yep. It went from 200,000 under to 500 yeah. up. And so that was fantastic. And my wife and I owned that 50-50. We had an LLC that owned it. So that was a really nice bump. Nice. And, um, and then just taking that to get into go bonnets and going forward so that was the yeah. turnaround it was leaning on others and and i think you know, that it, my kids saw that too you know i'm su- well i'm not surprised necessarily just given the personality but i mean it, you as somebody who people lean on to get in shape and be mm-hmm. fitness gurus right you struggle to find somebody to lean on to help yeah. you in your where you are struggling right and yeah and i think all of us have we all have our blind spots but um 
uh, I, I think that that to me shows the power also of like the why we're in groups like abundance, right? Because yes. your friend um, was able to see that you needed something and you needed that boost and brought brought around somebody else and it go right back to the you are the five people you hang around with most that I say 100%. so many times on this podcast, right? So um, if you you had somebody that was saw where you were hurting, knew how they could help you because they'd probably seen it in you and saw where you needed to be and saw what yeah. you needed that you were not able to do yourself. And I think that's one of the powers of of bringing around these types of people, you know, yeah. being around I, the group like abundance. And, and how ironic is it? Like we were competitors, right? I was a competitor with Alloy. Then yeah. he became my mentor. Yeah. Now I'm working there. Now I'm a, yeah. a, a franchise yeah, yeah. consultant for Alloy and we work together, you know, and we're best friends yeah. still through the whole thing. And he said, when I sold the business, He's like the change in you. And he's like, it's not a change. It's the person I always knew was there. Because by the way, mm-hmm. before 2008, I was yeah. killing him. Like I was growing way faster than he. he used to call me for advice, you know? And then we flipped and he's like, you were a 10 in a two opportunity. Now you're a 10 in a 10 opportunity. And that's nice. the key when you match those things. And I, you know, the gym had become an anchor. It really was like, it was just too much. And, and he did fine, you know, like he got through COVID and, and, and mm-hmm. that all worked out good. And then selling the building was great. Like I didn't want to be his landlord anymore. I wanted to yeah. totally divest from the whole thing. So yeah, it was the lesson. And by the way, now I'm a complete like mentor and coaching addict, right? Like yeah. what, because of what that did to me, you know, I have a marriage coach. I have a financial coach. I have, I hired a bodybuilding coach last year to, to change yeah. my body, to do something different. Right. Like I'm a coach and I love the coaching environment and I love yeah. the accountability. It's funny. One of the, one of my go bros challenged me today. He said, he said, because you're so good at giving accountability to others, I feel like you don't like accountability. And I just cut him off. I said, no, no, no. I love accountability. I don't yeah. like somebody telling me how to change my methods. That's mm. what I don't like. I, if somebody makes me accountable, like tell me you are going to do this bodybuilding thing. I'm going to give you a structure and then you do it your own way. I'm going to freaking nail it. But to yeah. tell me how to structure every hour of my day, that's not what I'm looking for from a coach. Some people are, yeah. right? For me, it's like, give me a goal. Give me some pain, right? Because pain to me drives way more than pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just let me apply my structure to that. And if you see me messing up, if I'm not achieving, for sure, yeah, we'll change something. But yeah, so going from the lone wolf to now, like, you know, my wife's like, don't you have enough coaches? You know, like, I'm like, no, I want more, you know, <laughs> nope, like, sure don't. Yeah. I heard about that, that. What's her name? The communication coach that all the guys are using. She was in. Tahoe. Yeah, she was at Tahoe. I can't remember her name. I've got, yeah. I can't remember her name either, but I got a buddy who's using her and he loves her. I mean, look what she did with Pat Hyman, you know, like, yeah, she brought out something that he didn't share with anybody until that moment. So, yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. So that was, a, that it, was really the turnaround for me. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, um, I think that says a lot anyways, just finding good partners, finding finding solid people you can rely on that help you out in life where wherever it's at. That's one of the, again, go back to the, you know, why my wife is is number two there, right? I mean, she yeah. I need her as a solid partner throughout my entire life. I've got a great relationship with my wife. Um uh regardless though, I'd still love to get that connection with uh with the person you have here because who knows how we can make it better, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. with the the you know, the marriage counselor. Oh, but, he's amazing. Um, I, I look at it as like a car checkup. You bring it in even yeah. when the car's running good. Because yeah. there might be like something under the well. hood that you don't yeah. know about, right? And so, yeah. like, we've made a commitment that we're going to see him for the rest of our life until he retires. And then That's hopefully awesome. he's got somebody better. And I've conservatively sent 30 people, couples to him, you know, like, wow. That's because, awesome. it, because by the way, we did everything before that and nothing. I mean, we were mm-hmm. with our priest. We were with a Catholic counselor. We were with uh, a, a Mago therapy. I mean, every type of therapy, right? And nothing 
nothing moved us forward until this. It's called emotionally focused therapy, EFT. Okay. And um, it you will absolutely love it because you're an entrepreneur. It's a year's worth of therapy in a weekend. Wow. It ain't an easy weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. won't lie. But that was so appealing to me because the whole process of therapy, and this is something my parents obviously never did, right? So I came to this myself, went to school for psychology, so I got it. Um, the whole thing about therapy is like you'd have this 50-minute session, you'd get right to the cusp of what was going on, and it's minute 48, and they're like, okay, see you in two weeks. And I was like, what? Like, And then yeah. this thing, you broke through all those barriers. I mean, there was a point the first time we went where um, we were right about to break through, and it was lunchtime, and he said, guess what, guys? We're not going to lunch. Like, yeah. You're going to keep going until this, until we nail it. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that that two week break is just enough to bury it back down again and have to 100%. dig it all back out. It's just, if it's, anything, yeah. make it worse because it brings up exactly. a fight. Yeah, you know, because now I'm on my brain the whole time and going through the stuff, and it just, yeah, that's a. It can turn into a big mess, but quick, real quick. So yeah, no resolution, yeah. right? Oh, and, and my back, yeah. man, sitting too much. You're sitting too much. Uh, Go do some core. I gotta get back on this. <laughs> on this. Oh, I've been doing that. I was at physical therapy yesterday, and nice. uh, for because I've got the I've got like two bulging discs in my lower back. Mm. And he's like, yeah, we just need to strengthen this. We need to do that. But you also need to understand the psychology of what you're going through. Like you've been so broken for so long that your, right. your brain is going to tell you you're hurting whether you are or not, because you Isn't need to amazing? be you, you're yeah. staying protecting, you know, you're protecting everything you can. It, so, it is incredible that, that brain connection, just to go off on another tangent. If I, I rarely get sick, but if I get really sick, like the flu, mm -hmm. I feel all my old motocross injuries. I don't feel any of them right now. But I, yeah. if I'm sick, I know when I'm getting sick because my elbow will start to hurt where I snapped it and my cable <laughs> went into it and, you know, chipped the bone. But uh -huh. I never feel it otherwise. But it's something about when, it, like, maybe you're getting more vulnerable or you're, like, getting mm -hmm. more cognizant of your body. All of a sudden, all that pain comes back. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, I broke my shoulder. Oh, yeah, like, chopped my thumb off, you know, like all this stuff you remember. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the things i hope i didn't like, scare I've your just... son away about that too like when I was like, <laughs> and then i crashed and my head blew off you know so. he almost like smashed straight into the fence in the backyard um a couple weeks ago because he that was, was my he first was time on a motorcycle showing off he was showing off and he just was like i've got room to get one more wheelie attempt in yeah but he did not calculate the brakes at the end. So he just yeah. tried to do one more. He slams on the brakes and just jumped off his dirt bike. And I was like, buddy, what What are you doing? First off, you're tearing my yard up. That's one yeah. thing you're doing. Um, right. so, <laughs> just letting your Love dirt it. bike flip in, the, flip in the backyard. But yeah, Such I was like, you got it. Like, man. Love it. Oh, yeah, very much so. It's wonderful. I absolutely yeah. love it. Um, I enjoy great. watching the boys be boys. And it makes me wonder what, what my daughter's going to do. You know, I can't wait well, to. It's so funny because like you're talking about, you know, you want your kids to go out. Like I was telling a story to my kids about, you know, what it was like being a kid. Because they're always like, they're, they're actually jealous of my childhood. And they're mm -hmm. actually jealous of my music, which is amazing. They love all the old music. Love it. Yeah. And they're like, you had the best music growing up. And I said, they're like, tell me what it was like. I'm like, I'll give you an example. When I was 10, 10 years old, I went camping for a whole weekend without my parents. Way back in the woods, Bunsen yeah. burner, fire, tent that was not waterproof. It rained. Right. I mean, I was, we were probably, uh, who knows how, let's say we were two miles from the house. Right. But we were yeah. deep in the woods. Like you can't hear the roads, no cell phones. And we would leave Friday night and come back Sunday, 10 yeah. years old. Right. Yeah. No one would ever do that now. You know, like yeah. we got in trouble in our neighborhood. We have a half mile loop in our neighborhood and we would let our kids walk the dogs when they were little. And a neighbor came to our house and said, you know, that's not safe. And I'm like, huh? Like, <laughs> We live in Sandy Springs, Georgia. I'm best friends with the chief of police. Like, what? Like, you know, we have cops yeah. patrolling this. Nothing's ever happened here. Yeah. Such fear.
I think that's fear. I think a lot of the fear, A, like, I mean, uh, uh, the news feeds off of fear anyways, right? Because fear mm-hmm. sells a lot. Um, and since we have news available to us 24-7, you know, yeah. everywhere we're at, it makes us think that everything is bad in the world, um, even though it's probably the same as it was, right? Yeah, it's just now better. it's just right there in your face. Yeah, it's it is. Yeah. Um, when you look at the, the stats and everything, right? Because, I mean, even even when I grew up, that's what I did. I mean, I was uh, I didn't do the Friday night to Sunday thing because um, I had to be up for church on Sunday morning. So I could mm-hmm. do Friday night into Saturday, but I had yeah. to be home Saturday night to get ready for church on Sunday morning. But uh, but I was doing that all the time out in the woods. Yeah. I'd, we'd make a fire. We'd be camping out. Like, yeah. sometimes we had a tent. Sometimes we didn't have a tent. It was wonderful. Like, yeah, it, it was, was great. I mean, I loved it. Some of um, my but best it was a very memories. small town in upstate New York. So yeah. it's, uh, you know. Yeah, I told you a yeah, thousand people, but, you know? Yeah. And by the way, yeah. I went, when I went back, you know, a few months ago, hadn't changed at all. Literally yeah. the same diner I grew up going to. You know, of course. Like, nothing yeah. has changed. Patty was probably still serving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's 140 now. Patty's daughter now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, so are you Patty? Gracious. I'm like, Patty died 20 years ago. I'm Patty's daughter. <laughs> Sounds about now, right. Yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. really cool about it. There's also something kind of depressing about it. Like, I like growth. I like moving forward. You know, I, it's it's quaint that the businesses haven't changed. It's sort of depressing that like a lot of the people haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Like they're like yeah. I went a friend of mine plays he's a super successful real estate guy. I want to get him and go abundance, but he plays in a band and they were playing in upstate New York. That's part of the reason I went. And there were people there that I went to high school with that guess what they were doing when I was in high school? Going out drinking, seeing cover no. bands and smoking cigarettes. And that's yeah. exactly what they were doing. And I was like, yeah. Ooh. You know, they're like, Look at you, you look really good <laughs> like what have you been doing i'm like i haven't yeah. been sitting in a bar smoking for 40 years exactly you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but you know it is crazy i mean when you look back at the i mean but it you know it, it is what it is people are going to be who they're going to be and um yeah. you know you hope that you can affect as many people as you can and change as many lives as you can in the process or at least i'm hoping people are trying to change people's lives for the better yeah. in the process but um but yeah i mean it's uh for me like it, I go back home and I'm, I just, Hey, it's in, it's in New York. So I've got zero desire to be in New Like I love upstate New York. Love it. I hate how the city ruins upstate New York, right. um, but well, I love, you know, Fulton County, Atlanta a, does the whole same thing to Georgia. Yeah. You're not so wrong. like yeah. literally a tiny yeah. little spot of Fulton County, Atlanta, mm-hmm. even not the whole County, just a part of the County destroys yeah. a, what I think is a fantastic state and some great people and, yeah. you know, really good policies and all that. So it's interesting how that, and New York city, you're right. Same thing. You yeah, know, it's a completely so, different world. I remember telling people when I moved to Florida, they're like, "You're from New York? Wow! Do you go out at night? Aren't you scared?" I'm like, "Dude, there's a thousand people in my town. We didn't have <laughs> locks on our doors, you know." Yeah, I told somebody today when I was growing up. This is how freaking old I forget how old I am because I feel good. I had four numbers in my phone number, just the last four digits. That's how small my town was. Wow, That's small. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It was easy yeah, to remember people's numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I remember when they added the three numbers, it was like a big deal. I'm like, how am I going to remember that? You know, it's like, yeah, oh. no kidding, right? And now we don't remember phone numbers at all. Like, no I idea. can remember my phone numbers from when I was a kid, but I don't have a yep. clue. What, I don't know like, what my kids' numbers are. I have no yeah. idea. Nope. I yep, know. No I, clue. They're, I just press a button on my phone. Yep, there they are. I push yep. mom, and now I've got her. There's no. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I have a scary thing to tell you about that being a dad. You need to hear this. Oh, boy. So th- yeah, oh, boy. This is, yeah. Drill this into your memory. I'm out to dinner with a GoPro. You know Chris Wilson, political guy. Nope. Um, he's a data analyst. He just moved to Atlanta, so he and his wife and my, me and my wife went out to dinner, um, local place. My son calls me. He never calls me, right? Always texts and says, "Is mom with you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, she's sitting right here with me." And he goes, "Dad, you're not gonna believe what just happened. She just called me." So mm-hmm. her number popped up. It said "mom," so it was yep. the number. 
And a guy on the other end said, I have your mother, go in another room, and, or I'm going to kill her. And there's a woman screaming in the background. Mm-hmm. And so it's obviously a scam, right? And, and he grabbed my wife, somehow grabbed my wife's number. And my son, thank God, was like, well, you know, like put her on the phone or whatever and kind of shut it down, you know, and then immediately hung up and then called us. But they literally do that. And they've gotten people to go to the store and get gift cards and send them a thousand dollars or whatever, um, because it's coming from it's not a random person. It's her phone. I have her phone in my hand. And uh, what's even scarier is now AI is calling and getting people's voices from their voicemail and they would actually put her on like Mm -hmm. her voice having a conversation with my son so the answer i called my client as a police officer i said what do we do and he said well we have a safe word in our house and so just have a safe word that only you guys know right and then when that happens the son my son would say to him well tell her to say the safe word and they say they just hang up when you do that yeah because that ends so scary right like yeah. oh my god it actually that actually happened with. to my sister as well so i was actually yep, yep same thing i was deployed to uh quote unquote deployed to thailand um i say quote unquote because i've been i've been to places like iraq and afghanistan thailand i don't remember that one <laughs> no it was a it was a, a large special operations um exercise and i was out there doing some doing some stuff so okay. um but uh my uh, my sister gets a phone call from what is my other sister's phone. What yep. comes up as, well, Sarah's calling. So, okay. um, so she answers and hey, I've got your sister, this whole thing. Don't you, do not hang up the phone. Do not do anything. You're going to listen to everything I say. Um, and so my sister ended up doing that, like going to the store, doing the stuff, sending, yep. sending, um, some money and, um, like freaking out. So like, she's trying to send text messages in the process like to people like hey I'm, like what's going on and then so yeah. like i get a phone call from my mom while, while i'm in thailand like she calls me on like facebook or whatever and they're like asking me for help on this stuff i'm like i don't know what the heck i'm supposed to do from thailand but you know so yeah. I, I start making some phone calls i actually called the cops said hey this is where they think they're meeting this is what we think is going on like as far as we know everybody's safe we've got a hold of everybody yeah. but we don't know if she's actually meeting somebody so like i'm talking to the cops and they're like and where are you at i said I'm in Bangkok. I yeah. know it's weird. I'm not the guy that's trying to call my sister. Right, like, right, right, I, right. I am just how long you know, ago? Just about, how long ago was this? This was 2018, 17. Okay, okay. So they've been doing yeah. it for a while. So, yeah, I yeah, didn't the know. The thing's been yeah. It, it yeah. you don't see it very often, but they they actually one of the detectives um um out near my my family like they're they called the daughter of that detective and that detective had already seen it happening and had, had warned the daughter so she knew right away what was going okay. on made, okay. like hung up the phone yeah uh, but my sister had no idea right and it was it was like completely freaking her out because she's like man they've got my sister like what am i supposed to do um so like it is it's a legit thing the ai stuff has made it way worse like right. you were saying like right. they, they could do a lot of stuff yeah. um and it's but I, I highly so recommend fast. The, the safe word type stuff yep. and you know like yep. you you look at um uh you know at the time of this recording like the big the big movie out here the sound of freedom right yeah. and yeah. the things that go on there um uh the world is there are terrible people in the world. That doesn't mean they're everywhere, but there are terrible people in the world. And I think we need to, especially as dads, prepare our families for terrible things happening, yep. even yep. though we hope they never do. Right. Yep. I mean, it's, uh, it goes back to the, you know, 
Uh, plans are worthless, but planning is priceless, right? So if we can have a like go through, what is it? Gonna, what are we going to do? How, how does this work? What happens here? I was even talking to my son the other day. He's eight years old, and somebody like slammed on the brakes in front of us because they got pulled out in front of. Like it was, they almost t-boned. I don't know how the guy in front of me did not did not actually t-bone the person. But I told him, I said, if that would have happened, dad would have been out of the car very quickly. But we've got like one of the little SOS buttons in the car. Mm -hmm. I said, but I'd hit that and you need to be able to tell me what goes on there. So we had like, how do you do this? So he started asking questions. He's like, well, what do I say about this? And what happens if you don't push the button? I said, okay, well, then you can push the button. I need you to stay in the car and talk. Don't get out of the car. Just stay in here. Tell them what's going on. Like, like, and so I'm always trying to put, and maybe it's my, my, my past, right. That, you know, has, has led me to doing these types of things. But, um, but I mean, I think it's wise anyways. Like, you know, I remember when we were kids, um, uh, they would, we talked about in school, like the, having the, ha- having a plan in case there's a fire in your house, you yeah. know, on the second floor. Like, what do you throw out the window to be able to get down and all the stuff, you know? And, uh, um, I, I don't know I think God, I never had to use that. Right. Um, uh, but. I'm glad that people talk to me about it. Like yeah. I would was never glad about it then. I was like, what am I ever going to need this? This I is know. stupid, I you know? know? And but, it didn't instill like you weren't staying up at night, like not sleeping. Yeah. That's the thing. But that's yeah. what the news does now, you know, going yeah. back to oh, that, like, yeah, no, I think it's really good to have that stuff. And, and I do that with our kids too. And, um, you know, now they're adults, so you just pray you yeah. did enough. Right. And, and so yeah. far, like watching how my son handled that, we've done pretty well. Right. Like he yeah. was even keel. He called right away and, you know, he was definitely upset. Like it was scary. Imagine screaming woman in the background. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. You know, and he never heard about, it. of course he looks up right away. Here's the five apps you can use dad to spoof a phone call and, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. We looked it up online. So, but we taught it right away to the people at dinner with us. For they sure. had never heard about it. So, and now hopefully people listen to this podcast and, you know, we can, we can shut this down, but, um, yeah, you know, you're talking about the news, the, the crime in the United States is actually overall down 30% since the seventies. Mm-hmm. The reporting of crime is up 600%. So our perception <laughs> is that it's six yeah. X worse than it was in the seventies. Yeah. There's like the child abduction thing absolutely happens, right? It's awful. And, and I think that movie needs to be seen by everybody multiple times. I paid for people to go see it. I think it's mm-hmm. such an important movie. And that guy is a freaking hero, right? what he's doing uh, that's my opinion and um but we can't live our lives like that's happening because i also have a yeah. brother's a police officer who knows the statistics and he's like 97 percent of the time it's a relative right that's yeah. taking your kid it's an uncle or or most of the time it's a, a estranged parents it's a dad mm-hmm. taking the kids but it does happen you know and um we have to be you know you have to teach your kids and and for sure you know it's like my daughter she's going out to bars now and like never mm-hmm. put your drink down like statistically it's probably never going to happen but if it does once your whole life is over yeah um, you know i have her carry yeah. pepper spray when she goes out like i'm not a paranoid guy like i go running but i'm not worried about me like you know yeah. it was funny we were just in spain and um you know my, we we're walking down this alleyway and there's two guys walking towards us you know it's just me and my wife and you know the alleys in spain are like so small yeah very small and but so are the men it's really funny. Like, and my wife was like, I never felt scared at all because you're nine feet taller and bigger than these yeah. guys. And plus they're all so nice, you know, but yeah. all the crime and the cops said it all the time we were in Spain, they will not hurt you. They're not kill you, but they will steal your wallet and they will steal your phone. Like they Truth. will pickpocket you and all that. So, yeah. but, um, yeah, I think that's such a balance as a dad to be like, I have a friend who's really paranoid and I mm-hmm. see it in his kids. They are really scared. You know, they're just, they're scared to leave the house. So, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then I have friends that are completely laissez faire. Like, and guess what? Their kids are kind of a wreck. 
<laughs> you know, like yes. they're out yeah. doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. So there's some balance in there, right? And I'm, none of us are going to get it right, but you know, I think I think going back to the very beginning of this, the breaking of the chain, that to me is like the things that we saw that were detrimental to us in our parents, and 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 the scary thing is some of the things that at the time we thought were bad were actually the best things our parents did, mm-hmm. right? Like discipline, you know, and like mm-hmm. allowing us to be free and all that. Like now we look back and go, that's the stuff we really need, right? But yeah, you know, but also like I'm not going to raise my kids in a hoarder's house, you know. I'm not going to. Yeah. That's just not good, you know. I'm not going to leave my kids alone at eight years old at home, you know, making a bologna sandwich and <laughs> wondering where the food is. And yeah. Bologna was my go-to food, by the way, as a kid. It I mean, why not? Easy, it was yeah. a great, I mean, it's just super easy. Food. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you really want to up it, you make it a fried bologna and cheese sandwich. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Sometimes you got, I mean, that sometimes I you really just house. need yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never cooked anything. Yeah. There was no way. So yeah, man. Yeah. That's cool. funny. But I, there was a question I had for you with, but we went off on seventeen different directions, and I don't think I don't remember it was what it was. Adam, I mean, I'm sorry. It had to you, have been one. You knew no, I'm AD, better, right? You know I'm ADHD <laughs> when you got into this. So. <laughs> it's and to me, that's one of the beauties about this. This, anyways, it's just a conversation. So wherever we yeah. want to take it, we take it. So yeah. Um, but how about uh, how about I switch the tables a little bit and say, do you have any questions for me? Any thoughts as we've been going through this that you uh, you want to ask me about? Yeah, I think my overreaching is what we're just talking about. You being what you've seen in your life, you've seen mm-hmm. things that none of us should ever have to see. And you're a military guy and you're, you know, in Afghanistan. How do you see that affecting you as a dad? Do you see it as a detrimental thing? Do you think you're like, you don't sound like you're overprotective at all. You're like, go jump the fence kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. where do you see that manifesting itself? You know, what you did in the military, where do you see it manifesting itself in, in raising your kids? Good and, so- good and bad. Boy, there's two. There's a couple different routes I'll take it. So there's there's the the wartime stuff, um, Iraq, Afghanistan, that type of stuff. That that thankfully I worked through. I mean, there are I've got plenty of friends who've been through a lot more than a lot more than me. But I thankfully I've worked through a lot of that before I had kids. Mm. Um, I was a very angry guy um, for a long time, um, and it, like to me, it was just this is what the military is. This is this is how we do it. You know, we're just angry people. You right, know, and right. you know, it took a while to to figure out that no, like. You don't have to be an angry person. Like you can get through a lot of this stuff, right? So, um, and it was probably, I'd say, not difficulties with my wife, but it was, you know, um, I thank God every day that I've got my wife because she is mm, by far the best person great. in my life that I could ever have. Um, I and she I was, was the first person I. I'm not. Uh, well, you're a second. close forty second. <laughs> um, oh, oh, sorry, second. Yeah, yes, yeah, close yeah, second. Yeah. That's what yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be. So, <laughs> um, so thankfully on that front. I worked through a lot of that already. Right. And I'm able to just talk to my kids about some different things and be like, I don't, I don't mind talking to Adam about, you know, Hey, you know, I was doing, I was on this patrol with my dog in Afghanistan and we were doing X, Y, or Z and we found this many bombs and we did all these things. And he's like, wow. You know, and it's, it's like, I don't, I don't mind it. I could talk about a lot of that stuff. I mean, I don't talk about death and destruction at this point. I mean, he's eight years old, so it's not time for, for that type of stuff. But, um, uh, but I'd say that when I lost my pilot spot and I went into uh, OSI, so it became a federal agent, I worked a lot of counterintelligence cases um, and a lot of criminal investigations as really that's, that's what I did. Um, a lot of stuff right there, actually in, in central Georgia, I was at Robbins air force base there. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I did a lot of different, uh, I had, a, that was probably one of my best assignments I had as far as like getting to do some really cool stuff. I mean, I did some cool drug stuff when I was in Tucson and I got to work some good, good drug cases out there. And, uh, but the counterintelligence side, I really opened up a lot when I was in Georgia. Um, 
which, you know, when we're traveling makes my life a little bit different because I'd be briefing everybody on all the terrible things that happen in these countries. Like, hey, the, you have to worry about these intelligence people. You have to worry about these mm. criminal people. You have to worry about it. So, so when I'm traveling, like I'm always like locking my computer or I don't bring my computer anywhere. I don't like, like just the focus that I have is very different sure. when I'm going to another country. Um, uh, but the criminal side of the house, it, you know, it, it hit me more when I had my daughter because I'd worked, um, I was going to ask that a few different, yeah. like, uh, child sex cases and things like that, that, that really the child ones were always the hardest ones to, to deal with. Right. I mean, mm. sitting across from somebody who's, um, you know, molested their child or, um, you know, is, is doing things that, that no human being should ever, uh, no child should ever have to go through like the yeah, awful, the most important people in our world, these children, like the people that we should be caring the most for are the ones that are getting victimized. And it, you know, I actually had one, one case there where my wife and I got to work a case together on this one. And it was a, um, he was, I think in his mid to late sixties, something like that, but he was molesting his granddaughter. Mm. Um, and it was reported into the police and the whole family was like, you're crazy. Like that, that's not actually happening. They completely shamed the granddaughter to where she just completely like shut down, said she lied about everything and it changed, changed everything. So now grandpa has complete access to her because there's nothing she could say. She already knows that she's like, she's nobody's going to believe me. I'm getting chills yeah. just talking about it. I hate mm. ah, this, this type of stuff is rough. Um, yeah. but so now complete access to this, this poor girl, right? And nobody knew until one of one of my friends was chatting with this guy um, as an undercover, like, and we go through the whole thing, and he's trying to meet up with what he believes is a thirteen-year-old girl, um, but just happens to be a bunch of uh, burly federal agents that are about to take him down, right? So, um, uh, um, my wife being one of those burly federal agents, which is funny. Nice. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so this is the only op we ever got to do together. Um, uh, maybe not the only one, but about the only one. So this guy is trying to meet up with this girl, this this young girl. We go and arrest this guy, and we go and search his house, do the whole thing. And then when we start talking about what you know, hey, we're here for searching the house because of X Y Z. We need to know about you know computers and this that, you know, explaining everything. Um, and they're like, you could just see it on their face, like holy crap, little I don't know, I don't remember the girl's name, but yeah. little so and so was telling the truth. And then one of the right. sheriffs sheriffs guys showed up, and we were talking to him, and he was like, you know, I I looked at the looked at the address before we came in. Like the, there were a couple times we were out here for this type of thing. And it was mind boggling to me that, that, you know, and that was a very eye opening thing for me in that, in that sense of like shaming somebody can easily turn them into just like a, a shell of themselves at that point. Right. Yeah. And cause she was completely shamed into um, now being a victim for really the rest of her life. Like she's gonna have to a lot of work to go through. Mm hmm. So I'd say those types of things were probably harder on me than the the war type of stuff. Um, Interesting. And I I still yeah. had to work through even even now I still work through it from time to time. Like I'll be you know changing a diaper or you know just look I, like I was holding my daughter in here the other just earlier today I she's think it was three months. You said? She's three months That's old. Awesome. And I looked at her and I looked at my au pair who is who just handed her to me because she my au pair is awesome. She comes to the room like she, like brings her up to the I've got a glass door over here so she like I get to see her little face roll up and she yeah. comes in and gives me gives her to me. And, um, and I just, I, it was almost one of those, not quite breakdown moments, but I'm just looking at it going, how in the world do people hurt? Like literally babies okay. three months old. Like, I can't comprehend a man leaving his family, just leaving much yeah. less hurting them. Like yeah. I think of like my wife's father, just getting up and just leaving. I'm not going to yeah. help anymore. I'm not your dad anymore. I'm, I'm going to go on a boat and go drinking. You know, like that yeah. is, I, I can't even watch that in movies, much less the sound of freedom stuff like yeah again I, it's just it's 
obviously our brains are, you know, somewhat like more normal, but I, I totally agree with you. I cannot imagine it. Like, and yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's, yeah. uh, I hope that for yeah, you, it's a lot to work through, but yeah, I think my prayer for you, um, in this is that it makes you not appreciative, but yeah, more like appreciative of like what you have and, and, and all that mm-hmm. as opposed to like what could happen because you could never sleep again, you know, with what's in yeah. your head. And I've seen that my brother being a, you know, he was police officer. He was undercover in, in Georgia. And then he was a police officer in South Florida, outside of Miami and the stuff he saw. And, it just made him unbelievably better and he's never gotten over it. And he's a total yeah. racist and he's, you know, he, he just, he, he leaned into that side of it. You know, yeah. everyone is bad. Everyone of the, of this color is bad. You know, every, every guy, because he saw such depravity. Right. And, and I get yeah. it. Like, I don't, I don't judge him, you know, I, he saw some horrible shit, but he's not happy, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and he, and he, kind of put that into his children too and and he's a great guy and i love him to death and he's he's got so much good in him he's got so he's such a good leader he's such a great guy you know it really did and and it's a really tough thing so yeah i think it goes back to that therapy thing though too and having somebody to lean on and being able to talk like even just having my wife to be able to talk to like if i didn't have a wife who had seen some of the same stuff i think i would have a much harder time because who do i have to go to who do i have to talk to you know yeah i've got friends of mine we chat but yeah i mean i find that with certain certain subjects i just won't talk to people about it if they haven't been through it yeah you know and like i, yeah. I have zero zero desire to talk to a, a college professor about how to run a business who's never yeah. run a business never had a downturn in economy We're teaching people about an mba and they've yeah, never had done the it ever. same yeah. salary tenured salary for 20 <laughs> years could basically show up to work drunk and wouldn't lose his job uh-huh. or like you know or doctors tell me that they know how, you know how to run a business you've never had to hustle for a patient your whole life right they, they yeah. can treat your patients like crap so I, I'm a big person on um, integrity and experience. And you know that about me as a coach. Like, I would never mm-hmm. recommend a supplement to you that I hadn't thoroughly researched and done myself for like two to yeah. three months, right? Just to make sure I don't die. You know, I check it all <laughs> first, right? My friends say I'm like, well, I lost my coach today. He was, yeah, out he was a new trying supplement. something new again. <laughs> well, my friends call me like the court. Uh, what was it? The King's tester, you know, and they would test the poison, uh-huh, the uh-huh. food for poison. Yep. That's what I do with supplements and hormones. And I'm doing peptides now. That's my newest thing. Phenomenal, by mm-hmm. the way. But none of my friends will do it until I do it, you know? Of course. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Well, man. Okay. I know you're going to do the research on it. You're wise on it. You know what to do. So and I, what and I'm a slow adopter, yeah. right? Like I, mm-hmm. I was slow on testosterone. I'm slow on these. And, you know, I wait to see what's going on out there in the world, you know, yeah. before I do it. So, yeah, man. So. Well, that's my only question uh-huh. for you. I'd be really curious because I know your past and, you know, I know you're a great guy and I know you can be a great. Th- so you have three now or two? Yeah, three. Three. Yep. That's right. Okay. Eight, four and three months old. Oh, so. you, you got them nice yeah. and spread. That spreads out the diapers. Yeah. So you don't have it was, like, uh, yeah, two in diapers. It was at not once. planned that way. Okay. Um, but, you know, it is it is what it is. God's timing type of thing. Right. So we we were trying for like two years for our third kid. Like. The first two was like, hey, maybe we should have a. Oh, you're pregnant. Wait a minute. Yeah, like, that's where we were. Like, you know? Yeah, and then, but the third was like, oh my goodness, like what is yeah. going on? Like this is. Yeah, um, it becomes a job, uh, you know. It's like, come on, yeah. what? I'm like, I'm not ready. I mean, it's what an enjoyable doing? job. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with it. Like, oh, I got to come home again. You're <laughs> ovulating, you know. <laughs> I had a I had a client runs a great Italian restaurant. He's got five of them here in Atlanta. He had a two, a twelve, and a twenty-two. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. He said, I'm spreading out the college payments. I'm like, yeah, well. Yeah. You're, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was a second, it was a second marriage. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he had the 22 yeah. at first. But yeah, man. Well, it's the best. And, you know, I'm my son and his girl, his girlfriend have been together since freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. First girlfriend, first boyfriend. 
right? Never been with anybody else. And they are now seniors at Georgia Tech together. So they've been together for seven years. And so we're like, I think we're going to have grandkids a lot earlier than we thought, you know, so they're, they're already planning their wedding. I mean, it's the, it's the most nice. beautiful thing. That's awesome. And, and it's funny to, to watch. She's a great girl. We love her. And, you know, he's a great kid and, and to watch them. And I, I tell people all the time, like, you know, grandkids, they say grandkids are the reason to have kids, right? Cause like I watched your son mm-hmm. come in. I'm like, Oh, I miss that age. You know, like <laughs> I love every stage, by the way, I love being yeah. a dad, I, you know, but it's once they turn 13, 14, Everybody tells you it changes. I'm like, it's not going to change for me. And it's, it's massive. And then when they start driving, that's the big, like they're, mm-hmm. they're complete adults and they're on their, and, but which by the way, that's our job, right? Yeah. You've succeeded. Yeah. If your kid doesn't want to hang out with you, you've succeeded in a good way. Yeah. Like they don't hate yeah. us, right? If they're avoiding you, that's a problem. If, right? they, if they're independent enough to go out and want to do things and have friends and have yeah. their own life. And mm-hmm. my, my son and his girlfriend are going away for a week and I'm like, where are you going? And like, how'd you get the hotel? Like, how did all that happen without us? They're like, dad, we can yeah. do all this, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, it actually worked. How does your laundry get done at college? You know? So, uh-huh. but yeah, that, it that's doesn't. me. It, it doesn't. doesn't. No, no. He turned them inside out. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed my son does that. Yeah, man. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. So I do have a very good buddy of mine who's still in Georgia that uh, a Georgia Tech graduate, uh, been in the FBI for like 25 years. So really, uh, maybe another. Yeah, yeah that yeah. would be a great contact. So, yeah, yeah. I, he's, yeah, he's very into psychology. So and he's got the personality. I could see him being like a forensic psychologist okay. for the FBI. Yeah. And he's talked to them. And, and then, of course, he researched the pilot thing where, you know, you can you can go into the Air Force for eight years. And then that is credited mm-hmm. towards your 20 years at Delta. And you literally can retire after 12 years of being a pilot at Delta. That's yeah. unbelievable with a full yeah. pension, you know, like, yep. yeah, you just got to buy out those eight years. Yeah. Right. Right. And yep. so it's kind of interesting how they do it, but I, I would see him more towards the FBI type thing. So yeah, love yeah. contact. He's, he's yeah, really sure. personable. He'll definitely reach out. So super right. cool, man. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, I think that's a solid place to end it. I appreciate you coming on, Rami. That was uh, fantastic getting to chat with you for a little while and yeah. going a little deeper in some different subjects. So it's, uh, I, I love going into like, I mean, you know, I, I, I have a passion about being a dad. Like it is super exciting for me to be a dad. I've wanted to be a dad for so long and, um, um, and I want to be a better dad in every way that I can. So yeah. if I can learn from other people's mistakes and strengths, then I think that's the, the wisest way for us to do it. Cause I can get, I can get a lot of more wisdom by learning from, <laughs> from other people's mistakes than I, I trying did. to go through and Look, do it myself. Man, right? I, so. I couldn't agree more. And what's super cool is like you and I got to know each other fairly well in the coaching situation, mm-hmm. but I think we learned more in this last two hours than in all of our coaching sessions, you know, oh, for sure. beating yeah. you up about losing body fat and gaining muscle, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's been my pleasure, yeah. man. It's been super yeah. fun. It was awesome. All right. Well, uh, if people want to reach out to you, maybe uh, be coached by you or, yeah. uh, you know, grab one of your gyms, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, it's easy. It's Coach Rami, R-A-M-I, CoachRami.com. And there's a link on there for the Alloy franchise. Set up a call if that's what you're interested in. If you're interested in coaching, um, quite frankly, I'll do. I'll definitely do a free coaching call with anybody. Um, sometimes I can help them a ton, and and it's uh you know it's an evaluation to see if they like me and if I like them, right? So to mm-hmm. see if it's a fit, if I can help them, and if not, I'll refer them out. But um, yeah. right now, I'm really diving into. I feel like I can. My goal is to help a million people before I die, and Phenomenal. that's that's my overall help. And I really feel like by opening these gyms that are going to help thousands each gym, mm-hmm. that's my way to hit that number more than just the individual coaching. That's awesome. And then more bulls versus bears on testosterone at the Copernicus. <laughs> I can't believe you're not going to be in Georgia. I'm so bummed. We would have rode dirt bikes together. I know. Yeah. I would have loved to have done that. Man, oh man. Right. Man, my dirt bike sitting right out there in the garage ready to roll. So. Oh, you could have brought no, it. Man. Oh, well. We'll nah, be at the, what very else? sad. Vermont? Are you going to be in Vermont? Yep, I'll be in Vermont. Okay. I'll be bringing the family too. So, 
Good. Yeah. Oh, good. I'll yeah. bring my I'm wife. Fan bonus beforehand. So she... I'll be bringing the wife and kids. And fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'll see you then. Man. Yeah, looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate you jumping on again. And uh, yeah. Uh, everybody, if you are wondering whether or not Rami can help you out, look him up on Facebook. Look at his Facebook profile picture and go, oh, that 60-year-old guy He's looks 60. like that? Okay. Maybe maybe he can do something Photoshop. for me. It's right? all Photoshop. So, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what I do is Photoshop for sure. So, um, awesome. <laughs> all right. Thank, thank you so much that. again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.